This is Jocko Podcast number 376 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, JP Dunnell. Good evening, JP. What's going on? If you don't know who JP is, JP was the lead sniper and point man in Delta Platoon with me in Task Unit Bruiser. He was a CQC instructor. He was an urban warfare instructor when we worked together at the training command uh, for the West Coast SEAL teams. And now we work together at our leadership consulting company, which is called Echelon Front. He's a leadership instructor. He's the director of our experiential training. That includes our battlefield reviews. That includes our council offsite and our field training exercises. Anything? Did I miss anything, JP? Chief training officer. Did I say, what did I say? You call me the director. That's Cody's title now. Oh, damn. Already got promoted above what I knew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chief training officer. Which is funny because nobody cares about the title. I mean, we care about the titles. Apparently, but, I don't care. But nobody really like is like wrapped up around the titles at Echelon Front. It's like, hey, I'm the janitor. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm the chief janitorial officer. I'm happy to have a seat at the table. <laughs> you call me whatever you want. Uh, JP has been on this podcast before, number 46, number 246, and number 309. Uh, if you want to hear about his background, about our background together, go check those out in order. You know, the first one talks about you know, our experiences, his experience in buds and in the teams and all that. And then 246 and 309 also. So thanks for stopping by JP. So while we were in the teams, as I just mentioned, we taught the laws of combat leadership to SEALs that were getting ready to deploy during our time frame. It was mostly Iraq and Afghanistan. As it turned out, those leadership principles are also applicable in all leadership situations. And now at Echelon Front, we teach those principles that we learned from combat. We teach them to leaders in, at every level, in every size business, in literally every industry there is. Uh, but those principles that we teach are not the only lessons, lessons that transfer from combat to life. Because on this podcast, we've covered... I don't want to say hundreds, but we've covered, I would say, in the neighborhood of 100 books about war, maybe 200, something like that, where we take those lessons, those principles, and and explain and explore how they apply to business, how they apply to life, how they apply to leadership in any situation. There's one set of principles, though, that I have not covered yet, one kind of a mythological document and it's a document that spells out yet another series of laws of combat and I think that this series of laws of combat is perhaps the most popular laws of combat amongst the troops and these are known as Murphy's laws of combat so if you in the military you've definitely heard of these before you may not know that Murphy was a real person Murphy was an actual human being. He was a captain in the Army. Actually, in the Army, in the U.S. Army Air Corps. And he served, he graduated from West Point, 1940, was in World War II. But he was in the Army Air Corps during World War II. He fought in the Pacific Theater. He fought in India, China, Burma. After the war, he attended the Air Force Institute of Technology. Eventually ended up as a test engineer at Muroc Army Airfield, which became Edwards Air Force Base. That's a lot of famous things happened at Edwards Air Force Base. But while he was there, they were doing 
this is now in like the early 19 or sorry late 1940s early 1950s they're working on all kinds of stuff one of the things they were working on was measuring g-forces applied to pilots and so they start with crashed test dummies and then they move to chimpanzees and then they move to humans and they put them under these various g-forces and you had to measure these g-forces so they were they were wiring these suits or wiring, yeah, wiring the chimpanzee or wiring the human or wiring the crash test dummy to measure these G-force that was getting put onto the pilots. And in one of these test cases, the sensors, they, you know, they look at the sensors and they all say zero. And like, well, you know, they, it's expensive, you know, you gotta run these tests and put everything in there and get everything set up and then you run the test and then, hey, what do the sensors say? Oh, they just say zero. So they're in the wrong. And the the story goes that Murphy blamed it on one of his assistants. And this is another engineer gave the quote that he said, if that guy has any way of making a mistake, he will. He's talking about his assistant. So he placed, he placed <laughs> blame. And the other engineers decided that that attitude of if it can go wrong or if it, if it can happen, it will happen, should be called Murphy's Law. So they actually named this thing after this guy, this 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 uh, young Lieutenant Murphy. And I don't know if I have his full name in here. Anyway, so this guy, sorry, Captain Murphy, that's where, that's where it sort of started by, and it grew from there. So 1955, there's an issue of Aviation Mechanics Bulletin, and it said, Murphy's Law, if an aircraft part can be installed incorrectly, someone will install it that way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And eventually it included everything that can possibly go wrong, will go wrong, and it took on a life of its own. And what's funny is when I started doing research, they have different, different industries have their own set of Murphy's Law. You're, you're nodding your head. Have you seen this before? No, but that makes sense to me completely. I, I mean, I found it for coding. You know, there, there's just, you pick an industry and they have their Murphy's Law, but it all stems from this guy who didn't take ownership and blame someone else, which is, you know, we, we know we don't support that. Yeah. But... It certainly took on a life in inside the military, and over the years, uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines have added their own laws. And there's a bunch of different versions of this, and I kind of compiled what I thought were the most pertinent. And so without further ado, further delay, we'll get into Murphy's Laws of Combat. So here we go. The first one, and look, these are, when you go and pick pick a list because there's all kinds of lists different different things are law number one i like this one for the first one if the enemy is in range so are you and and that's that's that obviously you know that's one of those things you go oh man you kind of shake your head and also you remember that for instance i remember the first gulf war i wasn't in it but and i forget the numbers but the old soviet tanks that the that the Iraqis were using had like a max effective range of whatever it was, 3,000 meters. And the American tanks was like twice that. It's beautiful. So you literally do not stand a chance. So that's actually wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, as we know, if you're exposed, you know, when you, when you get yourself into a position and you, you can see the enemy, there's a decent chance that the enemy can see you. And generally speaking, it's good to think that if you can shoot the enemy, the enemy can shoot you. Mm-hmm. 
So what that also means, from my perspective, is when you engage with someone else, when you engage with someone else, you throw a shot out at somebody, you, ju- you just offered up that that's what we're doing, yeah. right? So when you wanna start whatever kind of game you wanna play, when you start it, you can expect reciprocation. Mm-hmm. So if I have a professional relationship with JP, the minute I say something, you know, let's say, let's say it's a professional relationship, but, but I'm your boss, and I decide I'm gonna make a little, you know, a little sarcastic comment. <clears throat> Hypothetically, right? Hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> Please do not report me to HR. <laughs> Hypothetically, if you make that sarcastic comment to someone on your team, when they make it back to you, you can't be mad. No. You cannot be mad. So when you are in range, when they're in range and you take shots, that means you're in range too and you're open season. So I would say this, especially from a leadership perspective, you don't come out of the gate with sarcasm. You don't come out of the gate cracking a bunch of jokes. You know, this goes back to Hackworth saying, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't smile on anybody for four weeks because I wanted them to know I was business. I put this in that same category, that what you give in a relationship and your behavior is what you're gonna get back, so pay attention to it. It also can be in a positive way too. When you behave with nothing but professionalism, most likely that's what you're gonna get back. So pay attention to that, what you dish out is what you're gonna get back. I wrote down capabilities in the situation because as soon as you're like, hey, if they're in range, you're in range. I'm immediately thinking as a sniper, I'm like, not necessarily. Like, If I'm behind my 300 wind mag, in a building two rooms deep, like you have zero clue where I'm at. And if you're walking out around the streets with an AK or like, but that's the situation that you're in. So you have to be aware of the situation that you're in, what your capabilities are before you start engaging with people. And then I wrote down um, recon by fire because mm-hmm. like when you're saying like, like hey, you gotta be careful saying stuff to people. A lot of times people will, will do that just to try to get a response. They want to, like, they want to test the environment. Mm-hmm. They want to see what's going on. And if you can stay detached from your emotions and have some tactical patience, like we would teach our guys, like, hey, just because they're shooting in your direction yeah. doesn't mean you need to shoot back because now they know exactly where you're at. They might have, they have zero clue where we are at in an urban environment, do, taking random pop shots doesn't mean we have to shoot back. No. Could we? Yeah, but we also pose a threat of completely giving up our location, which now we don't have that advantage anymore. So, hundred percent. So, what what's great about that is, you know, now I'm the boss. You're you're one of my employees. You make a sarcastic remark to me. Now you're in range, and I'm allowed to. But guess what? As soon as I make something back, now we're now it's open season. Boom. Recon by fire is complete now by you. Shots. Now we're in a different situation. I've I've entered the game. A game that really, a game of sarcasm, if I don't know you very well and we got a bunch of people around, I shouldn't be entering that game in a leadership position, shouldn't be. Can't afford to right now. Now as we get to know each other better, of course, we'll we'll loosen up over time, but that's a great point. That recon by fire, you know, if you were to say something sarcastic to me and I either just let it die or maybe I gave you a serious answer, you know, if you're like, who thought of this plan? And I said, actually, you know, the plan is coming down from, we, we talked to the, you know, the headquarters and they actually, here's what we're doing. And I just gave you a deadpan answer. I would actually just put you in check mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes. You know, not a jerk about it. Just answer it seriously. 
That's the plan. So there you go. If the enemy is in range, so are you. Next one. Nothing is ever as e- as easy as it looks. Uh, obviously, this is true, and I'll just throw the, the number three behind that, which is everything takes longer than you think. And this is something that that, that BTF Tony would say. Yeah. Um, he'd say everything takes half an hour. You know, doesn't matter what you're doing; it's going to take a half an hour. Like, oh, that's going to take half an hour. Everything's going to. Well, we're just loading the vehicles. Yep, it's going to take a half an hour. That's what do you say? If you have kids, you know that to be true also. Yes, yeah, my lord. Might be 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I've, I'll tell you where I fall into this trap is your brother, Echo Charles. Yes, sir. Back in the day, we'd be talking about something, and, and I would, you know, I'd say, well, just make that, you know, just make an app that does that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he's, yeah. he's a, I like to call him what he doesn't like to be called. He's a computer programmer. <laughs> He doesn't like to be called that. He likes to be called a software engineer. Okay. Am I right? Uh, if I remember correctly, yes. Okay. Right. So I'd be like, well, you're a computer programmer. <laughs> just program. Well, first of all, he'd say I'm not a computer programmer. I'm a software engineer, yep. which, you know, we're, I know we don't care about titles, you know, but, but not we do sometimes, care about titles. Sometimes we're getting hit with that. So I would always just think, well, just do it, you know, just make it happen, whatever. And it's not as easy as it looks. And especially when you're in a leadership position and you make a little adjustment to how something's going to be done, just a little adjustment, just a little adjustment. And I tell this story about I was on an ARG platoon, so we're on a ship and we get tasked with some mission, a training mission. We're like off the coast of California. We got to do some training mission. We got to go do a recon or something. And the first tasking we do is like, hey, you guys are going to launch your boats and you know, drive your boats into the beach, go over the beach, and we're like, okay, cool. So we start prepping the boats. Now on a ship, you that means you gotta go get gas and you gotta bring that gas down from the wherever and it's a big, everything's a gut check. So it takes us four and a half hours to get the boats ready to launch. And then, you know, we get a call on the radio. Actually, you guys are gonna take helos. Actually, you're gonna do a helo cast. So now you gotta get the boats ready to put in the back of a, of a CH-46. Okay, so now we gotta bring all the boats from the bottom well deck up to the top. I can't even begin to explain what a pain in the ass this is. It's little stairwells, you're bringing the stuff up, we couldn't get the elevator, like there's all these things, like every, Murphy's Law, that big elevator, broken. So it's just, of course. So you're doing all, so we get, so finally it takes us another four hours to get everything up there and get these things rigged with chem lights to be launched out of the, you gotta deflate them a little bit, you gotta put the air, the air, Canisters in there so you can inflate it with it. I mean, it's a total gut check. Guess what? As soon as we're just as we're putting the finishing touches on those limp ducks, nope. Hey, actually, it looks like you guys are gonna launch by sea. So the decision that our leader was making, which was, oh, oh, you guys want to, you guys want them to use the helicopters? Cool, they're use the helicopters. Five hours of intense hard work. Not by the way, we're not planning. We're not doing mission gear prep. We're not studying the the area that we're going into. We're just getting the gear ready. So I call this I call this thing the whip because it just moves a little bit at one end and it cracks everybody at the end. But the especially from a leadership perspective to remember that nothing is ever as easy as it looks and everything takes longer than you will think. And that's magnified I would say fivefold. When you're a leader, there's five times the amount of things, five times the amount of time that it's gonna take for these things to happen. What do you got, JP? You're taking, you're writing some something down. What do you got? Well, 
I'm writing down my random thoughts and then also my own selfish takeaways <laughs> as I just, I, I've heard you tell that story and I think we were at an FTX, uh -huh. one of the individual FTXs that we were running uh -huh. and you were telling that story and Cody and I, we have used it throughout the years as well of just like, it's a great example of like not understanding just what doesn't seem like a big deal to you as a leader. It has a, a, a massive effect on your team. And the thing that you don't understand I mean, yeah, you have a good relationship. You're in the SEAL teams. You're like, hey, this is part of it. But how much of a leadership withdrawal are you making every time you ask the guys, hey, we got to go do this. We got to go do this. I mean, there's part of it where the guys are just going to be like, hey, man, this is part of it. Like, I get it. And we're so lucky and blessed to have guys like that in the SEAL teams that are just like, hey, man, cool. Yep. It, it's, a, it's, a it's a withdrawal, but not a massive withdrawal. But to some people, that whole thing back and forth yep. is a massive withdrawal to the point where you and I both know guys that got out of the military oh, yeah. because of stuff like this that we're talking yeah. about. The where third time, look, one time, we get it. Cool. Two times, <laughs> Two I times we're like, bro, what is wrong with these people? Three, we're fighting. The third time like is just like a strike, you know? <laughs> like, we're, we're pissed. And you start to think like, are they messing with me? Like, is this a test? Like, you know, it yep. just. So, so now from the subordinate position, so when you're, when you're a frontline trooper, You've got to make sure that you're actually conveying what's going on up the chain of command. When you say, hey, hey boss, I just want to make sure you understand something real quick. When, when, you, when you tell us to move the stuff, we have to actually break down the boats. That takes us at least one hour. We have to call the ship's crew to set up a chain of people to move gasoline. They have to shut down certain compartments because it's a fire hazard. Mm -hmm. That takes probably an, at least an hour and a half. Well, then we have to go and build these other things. So we just spent... 10 hours between these two switches that you just made, we haven't actually started planning yet. I, I want you to know what's going on because this is not as easy as it might seem. So for number one, like you said, if you have a good relationship up the chain of command, you say, hey boss, hold on a second. I just wanna make sure you know what this is, what how this is impacting us down here. Because a lot of times, they just don't know. They don't. They just don't know. And you know what's funny, like sometimes I'll, tell, I'll, I'll be like, hey JP, let's do this. And I can tell within one second of looking at your face that whatever I just said is not a good idea. <laughs> You know, if I'm like, hey, JP, why don't we go ahead and uh, let's do this next run over on that other training site. And I can see that for me, I'm just like, oh, let's go to the other training site. And you're like, okay, okay, just real quick. I've got a bunch of pyrotechnics that are all rigged and ready to go on the first training site. I've got all my role players on there. They've been briefed. It took us 20 minutes to brief them and it took them 40 minutes to get in position. The pyrotechnics took about an hour to get ready and you just want to switch training sites? Are you sure about that? I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Never mind. Do what you got to do. <laughs> so that's a good relationship. It's also making sure that you're paying attention. Like I can tell when I, because I also know that if I was like, hey, here's why, you know, here's what's going on. The, 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 the leader of this group, they already hit that training site three times before we dropped him from his last platoon and he knows that little trick. So he's waiting for it. He's ready. We need to do something different. Like you'd be like, all right, well, no factor. we can make it happen. Yeah. And then I can relay that to the guys that I know are going to be pissed off. You're like, hey, here's the deal. You bring them in like yep. they're – It's there's so much power when you just bring your people in. Hey, bring it in real quick. And you're just sharing information with them. Like yep. You're not sharing like any any like insider information, but you're just sharing information. People want to know what's going on. That's where leaders fail all across the world by not actually talking to their people. And 
you look at this from a, like a relationship standpoint with your spouse, I mean, that's what causes a lot of friction at home for a lot of people. I know that's what's caused friction yeah. for me in the past of just forgetting like, oh, I need to be very mindful of communicating all these things with my wife, yep. all these things with my kids. And it's the same thing with the FTX team. And I've done this a few times with the FTX team because I'm, you know, Cody's running all the field training exercises now. And I'll come in and I'll just be completely detached and I'll, I'll ask something or, hey, what if we were to do this? And it's funny what you were saying. I've seen that with Cody a few times and he's he's so squared away and he's like, the programs are absolutely incredible. And he'll be like, I mean, yeah, we could do it. And then he'll explain it to me. I'm like, hey, never mind. <laughs> like, never mind. It's like, we're good. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Um, so it's, but the other thing is, yeah, leaders need to be aware of that. But man, it's, there's so much power in leading up the chain of command. 100%. If, if your people, if you are down in the chain of command and you're feeling this whip effect, your leadership does not want to be doing this to you. That is not their goal. The, your bosses are not coming in saying, man, you know what? I'm gonna make Echo's life miserable today. I'm gonna change stuff. No, that's, like, that's not what they're doing because they know that's counterproductive to your organization growing and expanding and being able to actually go out there and dominate. So you actually have to learn how to lead up the chain of command, which is very difficult to do. This is one of the key components of why people say, don't forget where you came from. Yeah. <laughs> because when you forget where you came from, you're like, hey, just move the boats down to the well deck. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Not, and, and look, let's face it, sometimes there's people that have never moved a boat from the well deck to the flight deck. They don't even know what that's like. So you can't expect them to know it if they haven't done it, which means, as you said, you gotta lead up the chain of command. Boom. All right, number four. This is the kind of one of the famous ones. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And, and then I'll just throw in number five, which is there's no such thing as a perfect plan. So uh, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. This is this is what will happen. And it's gonna happen. At th this, is what, this is the definition of Murphy's Law, right? When we think of Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, which means that you have to plan accordingly and that's why I included the second one here, number five, there is no such thing as a perfect plan. Now, the perfect plan will crush people. Attempting to get a perfect plan will crush so many people. It will crush so many people's efforts. I'm much more concerned about making a flexible plan than a perfect plan. Why? Because things are going to go wrong and we are gonna have to be flexible. So don't get wrapped around the axle of a perfect plan because a perfect plan is going to come into contact with the enemy, which I'll get to number six now. No battle plan survives first contact with the enemy, which Mike Tyson said, no fight survive, No fight plan survives the first punch. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So we got, we got three, three items right here. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. There's no such thing as a perfect plan and no plan survives first contact with the enemy. All these, to me, support the idea that having flexibility is the most positive thing you can do in your planning process. Yeah, I mean, you were saying the very first one, and I literally was writing down perfect plan. And then you said, I'll go on the next one, perfect plan. That's the thing, like, really smart people get wrapped up in having to have the perfect plan. And people with really big egos get wrapped up in their plan being the perfect plan. You're like, hey, there is no perfect plan. They're, they're legitimate. And I always ask people, I'm like, all right, cool. Hey, how many people want their plan to be the perfect plan? And everybody raises their hand because yes, we all want that. And then I ask people, how many of you have ever seen a perfect plan executed where nothing needed to be modified, changed, 
everything from your timeline to the consumption and all these things was perfect. I mean, I, you guys brought me on board as a first instructor over six years ago. I've been asking this question for six years. Guess how many hands have been raised? None. Because there isn't the perfect plan out there and people get so wrapped up into it because of their egos. And that's what destroys people. And then you you talk about the morale that you ruin with the relationships of your people, like pushing them to see that perfect plan. And it, it's it's hard because we want to find that balance, though, because now people will get into the whole, you know, you know, people will try to play the flip side of it and be like, oh, so you don't want your people to pursue perfection? No, that's not true. <laughs> I do want my people to pursue perfection, but they need to understand that, like, it's the pursuit of perfection that we're looking for. I want my people to pursue it, to be thriving for it, to try to get better, try to get better, try to get better. We always want to have that constant improvement of what mm -hmm. we're doing, but let's not get wrapped up to the point where we can't execute. Yeah. With a flexible plan comes a flexible mindset. And what made me think of that was when you just said, um, if someone's ego, they're they're gonna stick with their plan. Mm -hmm. And I, we've seen that countless times. We've seen it in business, we see it in the military, that people have a plan and they roll in there and they don't wanna change it and they just drive that bad plan into the dirt. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a military group today and I got asked if you, w when you went into, when you took your task unit to Ramadi, is there anything that you would have done differently from a mindset perspective if you were going into a different theater of operations right now, for instance, European theater of operations, Eastern European theater of operations, is there anything that you would, would do different from a mindset perspective than you did when you went in your task unit showed up in Ramadi? And I thought about it for a second, and I thought about it a little bit more, and then I said, actually, no. And I said, let me tell you why. When we went into Ramadi, I didn't go in there. I went in there with an open mind. I went in there. I wasn't quite sure how things were going to go. I wasn't sure what type of specific operation out of all the capabilities we had. I didn't know which one we were going to get focused on. I wasn't sure how we were going to task organize. And my mind was open to say, oh, this looks like a thing going on over here. And there's something we could add to here and we could help this situation over there. That was my mindset. It was just open. It's the same thing for every deployment that I've ever gone on. Oh, here's the situation on the ground. I don't go into a situation on the ground thinking, oh, I'm going to impose my thoughts and my ideas on the situation. No, I'm gonna say what is happening. I'm gonna ask people, I'm gonna listen to what they're saying, I'm gonna read about what's happening, and I'm gonna go into situations with an open mind. So when we talk about the fact that anything that can go wrong will go wrong, well, that means if you have a closed mind, as soon as something goes wrong, you're lost. There's no such thing as a perfect plan, so don't waste a bunch of time trying to come up with a perfect plan. Instead, come up with a flexible plan. And then it's not gonna survive first contact anyways, so you have to have an open mind so you can adjust. If you don't have that, that's when things fall apart. I would say that's the main component of starting something is having an open mind and listening to the feedback. All right, <laughs> number seven. Incoming fire has the right of way. <laughs> and what I, what I like about that one is the recognition that there are things that supersede other things. And there are things that happen in life, that happen in business, that when they happen, 
that's the most important thing. And if you don't pay attention to those things, if you don't understand what incoming fire is, and actually if you don't talk to your people and explain to them what things represent incoming fire inside your organization, you're gonna have problems. So look, it might be safety, it might be customer service, it might be client relations. There are things that take precedent over other things. I mean, how many times at Echelon Front, like everybody knows that the, the relationships with the client is incoming fire. It has the priority over everything else. If I'm about to miss a flight and JP's about to go to his, uh, to a birthday party with his daughter and they're going to a beautiful restaurant and he gets the call that says, hey, JP, you gotta get on a plane in 48 minutes to cover for Jocko. JP goes, roger that. Cool. Yep, that's what's happening. The, we all know that that incoming fire is the most important thing. So think about that in your business. What is What represents incoming fire in your family? What represents incoming fire in your family? Is it finances? Is it, is it the relationship that you have with your kids? Because, you know, JP, JP might say, actually, I cannot go. I missed my last two events, three events with my daughter. I promised her. If JP said to me, I promised my daughter I would be there, guess what? JP would be going with his daughter. That would supersede the situation. And by the way, that kind of stuff has happened. You know, we've had, we've had some, some, you know, things happen where family took precedent over what's happening with business. We have times where the business takes precedent over family because those things get prioritized. But everybody understands what the incoming fire is. What is the priority for this situation that we're in right now? So think about that. Sure, on the battlefield, <laughs> incoming fire has the right of way. What does that mean in your business and life? So it's it's awesome, you know. Before we started the podcast, we were just talking about different stuff, and I I didn't say incoming fire, but I had a very similar conversation about this with my buddy Josh in a, in a company in a business that we're starting, and then also with my other buddy Stephen and Tyler, another business. Like like, hey, we got we there's some stuff we need to line up and dial in as as we're getting ready to launch these companies. Um, I didn't say incoming fire, but it's like the exact same thing. It's like, hey, man, we we have to get these things, and it, it actually was prompted just from some of the stuff that we're doing at Echelon Front. And it, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing and smiling because I was on vacation when Jamie called me one time. On vacation, literally driving. We're were in, in the, Florida? Yes, we were headed to yes. Florida. We weren't there yet. Who and were I, you covering for? Was it me? It was gonna be for you. <laughs> and um, What happened to me? It was the one where you had to uh, uh, charter the private plane to get there in time. You got there 45 minutes prior. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> but I mean, I was. The client never knew. Yeah, they never did. You rolled in there like 45 minutes prior. Yeah, I, like, went, I went to my hotel face, room, washed my face, walked back down. <laughs> Good up. morning. Good morning. They didn't know I was up. Zero sleep <laughs> for 36 hours. No, but we were halfway on our family vacation. First one we had taken in a long time. And Jamie called me and I'm like, cool. And it was cool about Amanda and the kids, like it was it was no factor for them either. They they understood like that's the priority. Guess, guess what? We're able to take these vacations because of Echelon Front. But recently I had to, and this is like, I am like uncomfortable even saying this, like, you know, I'll be 40 in uh, in three weeks. That's not what I'm uncomfortable. I don't care. I think that's awesome. Okay. I'm, you and I are happy. I'm like, the fact that I'm seeing 40 is, is it. legit. I made it. Jocko didn't think I was going to see 24. So, anyways, but I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm super excited to be 40. Uh, but that whole week, I'm literally 
I have gigs that whole week. I'm speaking on my birthday. Like, you know, it's like, cool, whatever. I don't get back until like almost midnight on my 40th. And it, like for me and my family, it's not a big deal. But then I got a last minute thing. It was like, hey, need you, you to help cover down on this gig on the 18th. It's local. And I'm like, cool, no factor. Like we talked through it. And then when I was talking with the man and the kids, nothing was said, but I could tell. I was like, you know what? I've never done this in six years. Never. And I called Jamie and I was like, hey, I'll obviously be there on the 18th to help this other instructor. But if there's another instructor that could do it, like I would rather them have the money. And for me to say, like, I'm giving up money, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but I don't care about that. But for me, it was like having to understand, like, hey, I need I needed to actually do that. And no, we're not doing anything big for my birthday, but it's for me to be there. Like mm -hmm. we're going, we're gonna get a cabin, you know, somewhere yeah. for a couple of days, and it's literally just gonna be Amanda. And you mean you're gonna take care of your family? Yes, I am. And spend time with them. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. And it was, you know, and I called Jamie, and this is what's so cool about the dynamic that we have at Echelon Front. I'm like super nervous, like sick to my stomach that I have to have this conversation <laughs> with Jamie. And, she, and she's like, hey, is everything all right? And I'm like, um, and she could tell something was wrong. And I'm like, it's you know, so like, she probably thinks it's like actually yeah. something big. And I'm yeah. like, so I tell her and she's like, JP, she's like, you know what? And then she takes ownership of this. She goes, no, you know what? When you and I first talked, I actually knew I should have somebody else take this. You didn't need to be doing this gig, but you were you wanted to and you're all about it. She's like, but I should have known. I should have handled this without you. And then it's so we're both doing like like trying to take yeah. ownership over. I'm like, no, it's actually my fault, blah, blah, blah. But it's funny, like I actually had to do that. And it was like no big deal. Mm -hmm. Amanda and the kids wouldn't have cared. But when I told Amanda, hey, you know what? I'm not doing that thing on the 18th anymore. I'll get home around midnight on the 17th. We can cut out early on the 18th and we don't have to be back until Monday or Tuesday. Boom. We're fine. And to see the change in her face and her posture and her tone and the kids, mm -hmm. the kids are all fired oh, up yeah. right now. So it's hyped. Yeah, hyped. it was, hyped. it was hyped. cool. Hyped. Yeah. <laughs> so. so there you go. Think about what that incoming fire is and make adjustments as needed. And the next one is related to that one. Don't look conspicuous it draws fire. <laughs> and this is a this is an important one. And it's important because think about this when you open your mouth. Right? You, you when you open your mouth, you're 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 drawing attention to yourself and that's when you have a decent chance of drawing fire. So make sure when you open your mouth, you're you're ready for that. And sometimes you open your mouth to draw fire. But if you're gonna open your mouth, if you're gonna make that statement, then just make sure you, you, you think about it and you're ready for it. Don't be an idiot. We had an awesome, awesome stud instructor at Tradet um, that came over from the East Coast to work with us. And I remember we were teaching guys CQC and the urban warfare training, and we are just sitting there talking, and he just made a comment to the guys, because I mean, you know, it's funny, like the tactical Timmies will come out when they're like patrolling up to a target, and all of a sudden now they need to be like hunched over and crunched, and like, and he was like, just walk like a normal human. And he was telling stories of like what they're doing overseas, and because like other guys were like, well, how'd you get from this point of the bank? And he's like, I just walked up to the front door. And guys were like, what do you mean? He's like, I walked normal to the front door, it drew, drew no attention, and then we did what we had to do. I'm like, that 
is awesome. <laughs> and that's something that Cody and I will, will teach at the FTXs. And that's the point that we're getting to is like, don't draw attention to yourself. We'll tell them like, hey, when you're patrolling, just walk like a human. Just walk like a human and it doesn't draw attention to you. And it, it's, when, I, when you said that, I laughed because I'm thinking about this guy like, yeah, so don't look conspicuous. It draws fire. The next one is never draw fire. It irritates everyone around you, <laughs> which, is, which is definitely a true stu- statement. And this is followed closely by you are not Superman. Oh, well, yeah, well. which is an important thing to try and remember. The younger you are, the harder it is to remember that. JP, most 100% certain, was Superman when we were on deployment. And there you go. It's important to remember that, though. Um, That's followed by, if it is stupid, but it works, it isn't stupid. Right? If, if If it is stupid, but it works, it isn't stupid. So you have those things that you do. You have those lessons that you learn. You have those procedures that work. Use them. You have a piece of equipment that is functional. Utilize it. So there you go. People get a, a a lot of times, and we saw this in the SEAL teams for sure, there'd be a some some new tactic, some fresh tactic, some new piece of gear or whatever that everyone's all excited about. And before it's even been used, people are like, oh, this is definitely what we got to do. And it's like, let's mm-hmm. just make sure make small. that it makes sense. And then the counter to that is the way we've been doing things. Sometimes it's it's, it's that way for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Um, number 12, there is always a way. And then they have, there's two variants to this one. One is there's a, there is always a way. And there's another one that says there is always a way and it usually doesn't work. So <laughs> I'm throwing that one out there. Um, this one, number 13, this is a, a, an interesting one to think about. If there... If only one solution can be found for a problem, then it is usually a stupid solution. That's an interesting, it's an interesting mindset to have. And where I, what I like about this one is a little while ago, Echo Charles, you and I did a podcast where I talked about the contrarian mindset and utilizing the contrarian mindset to help you see that there might be counterintuitive ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. If I look at a problem and I go, hold on, what, what if I just pick the opposite of what we're thinking and what does that do to my mindset and maybe I'll see some solutions that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. So I think this to me is like a little bit of a red flag if my whole team is like, oh, here's what we should do. At a minimum, I go, hold on a second. If that's the only possibility, let me think about it a little bit deeper. Let me, and what I would do is use a contrarian mindset to say, hold on a second, do, wait, what, is this really the only way to do it? If it's the only way to do it, why are we doing it? Maybe there's a way to totally bypass this thing. So I think that's just a good red flag cautionary thing. If there's only one way, only one solution, at least take a look at it. At least at least try and take a look at it from a, from a counterintuitive perspective. Yeah, and if you're doing that, I mean, in any position of your organization, if you're doing it as a leader, if you're doing it as just a, just whatever, it doesn't matter where you're in the organization, you're challenging people to think. You're really yep. challenging them to think. And I remember that's one of the things, 
you know, when I was at, I've talked about this before when I was in the teams and then we were at Trade at, you know, one of my chiefs said, hey, JP, our, our goal is to teach these guys how to think, not what to think. Because combat is dynamic, close quarters combat is, is dynamic, all the stuff that we're teaching, like the combatives program and the marksmanship cell that we developed, it's all very dynamic. We have to make sure we're teaching these guys how to think, not what to think. Yeah. And when you're saying that, that's exactly what came to my mind. I was like, no, you're challenging people like, hey, how to think. Like, And you're also you're putting a little bit of a, a pause in that herd mentality of just everybody jumping on the bandwagon like, no, this is the way to do it. Like, hey, we've always done it this way, this is the way it works, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, that's a, that's a dangerous, it's a dangerous just mindset to have and thing to fall into of just like, nope. I mean, look at what you guys are doing at Origin. I mean, everybody, everybody was saying like, it, it just, it has to be done overseas. Yep. Because why? That's what people have been told. Mm -hmm. So they're just regurgitating what they've been told by their parents, or their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, whoever, whatever, yep. society. Yep. And the whole industry. Yeah, Yes, the whole industry. Everyone's been told, like, it can only be done overseas. And people buy into that BS because mm -hmm. they've heard it enough and they're not willing to think and challenge it and just be like, well, why? Why not? Until that's what Pete Roberts said. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, actually, this is what we can do, and this is what I'm going to do. And then, obviously, when you guys partner together, your mindset and mentality is just completely supportive of that. Like, no, like there, there absolutely is a way to get this done. Oh, there isn't a current way. We'll we'll make a way. We'll find a way, and that's exactly what you guys have done, which is awesome. And it's what we also teach people to do at Echelon Front is to think and to solve problems. Hey, things are going to happen in your life that you can't control. You can't control, but you can always control how you react to the things. You can always control your work ethic, your integrity, and your discipline. Those things you can control. And I don't know. Sorry, I'm going down a little, another rabbit hole. I just I like that one a lot because you're really challenging people to actually think for themselves and not fall into the just complacent BS lies that we tell ourselves. Yep, that's uh, all, all great examples. All great examples. Uh, Next one, number 14, never share a foxhole with someone braver than you. <laughs> and you know, this, actually when you, when you truly think about this from a tactical perspective, it, it doesn't make as much sense as it does on the surface, but you, the, the basic concept is like, hey, if you're hanging around with someone that's braver than you, then that means you're gonna be probably putting yourself in some pretty risky situations. So, for me, from a business perspective, what this is telling you is, you know, you want to be in partnership with people that have the same level of risk mm -hmm. taking that you do. Because if I'm working with JP and JP has, you know, is willing to take massive risk with his finances and everything, he's just willing to put it all out there, and I'm not, we're gonna have a problem. So we wanna be relatively close when it comes to risk. We wanna make sure that we both have the same risk assessment and the same appetite, that's the word I'm looking for. We wanna have the same appetite for risk. If you've got a ton of appetite for risk and I don't, we're, we're, we're actually, interestingly, we're actually not aligned. You know, we're, if you are willing to take a massive amount of risk and I'm not, and maybe it's like, you know, you're younger than me. And you're like, hey dude, I can fall on my face right now financially and I'll put it back together. And I'm like, bro, if I'm falling on my fa face financially right now, I'm screwed. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't have another at bat, you know what no. I mean? <laughs> 
Whereas, Ed, you know, or it might be the opposite. I might be like, oh, we can, we, maybe I got more money. I'm like, oh, we can, we can take risk. And you're like, hey, bro, you don't need to mortgage your house. I'm gonna have to mortgage my house. And all of a sudden, we're not aligned. Mm-hmm. So we wanna find people that have the same appetite for risk, and then we can move forward. Because uh, you don't wanna be in a foxhole with someone that's like, come on, we're going. Might not be the best call. Be careful if you're in there with JP. <laughs> we're going. Because you're going. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, this one, definitely a mantra in the SEAL teams and a, and a strange one, funny one. Never stand when you can sit, never sit when you can lay down, never lay down when you can sleep. You know, it's one of those things. Hmm. And yeah. it, it, here's the thing. Obviously, if you take the extremes of this, it's like negative. But you, if you look at it from a pragmatic way, hey, man, if you get a chance to get your head down, get your head down. Yes. That, that Saying that, if you get a chance to take a knee, take a rest, yeah, take it. I, Leif and I always joke about the fact that by the time we'd go in the field, I would be so happy to go in the field because I know I would get to be able to get some sleep. Because prior to going in the field would just be like that planning cycle and briefing and all that stuff. So you spend you know all that time. By the time you go in the field, you're like, cool, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in this. I'm gonna get in this building and get watch is gonna get set up and I'm gonna put my helmet up against this wall and I'm gonna sleep for at least an hour and a half. Yeah, and feel great. Yeah, I was laughing because I have programmed my body over the last, I did this quickly working with you guys at Echelon Front. Um, So I don't, my first night in a new place, I don't sleep well often. Well, what do we do? We go from city to city to city. So what does that mean my sleep is? It's crap. It's literally crap. There's been a few times where I'm literally like zero sleep before a gig because I just can't fall asleep. I hear just all the different hotel, whatever. And so that's not good obviously you need sleep and you need that rest for recovery well i program myself to where when i get on an airplane i can i can sleep i can catch a little bit of sleep. i don't sleep the whole flight but i can catch enough sleep to like okay i'm good it doesn't matter if i'm full of energy it, it makes zero difference i get on an airplane do my thing when they start getting away from the gate, I literally go. <laughs> like I start, it doesn't matter. And uh, when we were flying here last night, I mean, it's in the, it's early in the evening. I'm not tired at all. Mm-hmm. I drank a go on the way to the airport, like everything's good. <laughs> we're, we start backing up from the gate and my wife, Amanda, is laughing her butt off because I'm sitting there like. Just like a little toddler. I'm just like, yeah, my heavy eyes. I'm like, my head's nodding. And so I'm like, screw it. I just put my seat back out cold, get up to elevation, ding, whatever, and then I'm like, okay, I'm good, get the computer out, start working, reading, whatever, talking with her. Oh, I you mean, only sleep during like the takeoff? It, so as soon as we start backing up from the gate, I put uh-huh. my seat back, I'm out by the time we're going down the runway. Uh-huh. I get up to elevation, it's like a good 20, 30 minute power nap. Okay. I'll sleep, and then I'm up there, but here's the other thing, when we start the descent, <laughs> my body starts doing the same thing, <laughs> so I sleep again. There's been a few where I woke up as we were touching back down, and I'm like, oh, my body mm-hmm. obviously needed that sleep. But it's when you're reading that, I'm like, that's why I was laughing because I've just, it doesn't matter. Like, yep. I will sleep on a plane because I know I'm not gonna get it the first night in a hotel. Like last night in the hotel, like, no. Yeah, I, I sleep on a plane. I sleep on planes all the time. Yeah. I, I get the window seat, I yep. put my head up against the window, mm-hmm. boom, I'm out. Mm-hmm. What, oh, now we're landed? Cool, let's rock and roll. <laughs> The only time it kind of sucks is when I do the, when I fly east from the west coast to the east coast. Mm-hmm. If I, fa- cause I'll fall asleep and I'll try not to, but I'll be like, nope, I'm falling asleep. 
and then then if I have a nap like that, it's hard, yeah, really you hard can't for me, sleep. Really yeah, hard for me to fall asleep. Yeah. yeah, Cody does the same thing. Cody will be out the whole time coming from Sacramento. Mm. When we go out to Michigan for our FTXs or any on the East Coast, I'll be like, so do you uh, fall asleep? He's like, yep. And yeah. so he'll be up all night, and it's just that. Yeah, cycle. But. That's why I like when I have work to do because mm-hmm. then I get I'll then just you, do the then work. Then you power through the yeah, work. I yes. power through the work. Same thing. What's well, like what we tell like I'm sure you or your wife did. I know Amanda and I when we tell new parents like everyone's heard this. Hey, when your kids are napping, you should nap too. Mm-hmm. Like if you have new kids for the mm-hmm. first time, yeah. if your baby's sleeping, go to sleep. Yep. Because when you're trying to sleep later, it's gonna be like. Ah! Yeah, like oh, just that's feed a, me that's nightmare. The, it's that's yes. that, that's literally it. If you got newborn kids, never sit when you can sit. Never stand when you can sit. <laughs> never sit when you can lay down, and never lay down when you can sleep. Like that's that's the that's a newborn kid tactic, and it also is important for uh you know when you're when you're working, when you're deployed, when you got stuff going on. Man, you get five minutes, eight minutes, take a quick power nap. It's yeah. gonna go the distance. I also look at this also from the pers- of a just seizing the opportunities that you have in front of you, like. You know, we're gone a lot, a lot. We were talking about this before we started recording, and I love it. I love the op tempo. I don't want it to ever change. But when I'm home, I also know that I'm not as home as I should be with my with my wife and kids. And I've been trying to be more mindful of like just being a hundred percent present. Now there's work I have to do, and they get that. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I also have a lot of work to do from home. But like the other day, I, I was doing something. And it was something that I could do later. It didn't need to be done right there. And Cora's like, "Hey, Dad, can we go for a bike ride?" I'm like, "No, I got to get this done." And she goes, "Okay." And she, you know, she didn't. She and I was like, "Hey, go get your helmet on. We're yeah. going for a bike ride. Get, I will go stay grab up late sister. tonight and get whatever done done." Yeah, because when you're asleep, I can do this stuff. Yeah. When you're asleep, I can't go for a bike ride with you. Mm-hmm. And so her and Nola were just so. Wait, what? We gotta go for a bike ride with you, Dad? I'm like, "Yep, go get all your stuff on." And so they're getting all their stuff prepped and it was cool. You know, we did a little three mile bike ride and they were just so happy about it. And that stuff that I did and that, that I could have been doing. No, I can go do that later. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, next one. If, if your attack is going well, you are walking into an ambush. Very complacent, very, very good mindset to have with anything. When things are going well, you should be looking around and say, "Okay, what's happening?" The, uh, the, you know, we used to yeah, at, at like land warfare, and the op four would go quiet, and you'd see, depending on the attitude of this platoon, the op four would go quiet. You'd see the platoon like, oh, they'd relax. And then I'd walk over to like the platoon commander, the platoon chief, and I'd go, "Hey, man, where's the enemy right now?" And they'd be like, "I don't know. They 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 broke contact." And I go, "Yeah." They're maneuvering, mm-hmm. and you can see the look on their face. They're like, "Oh, damn!" Like, yep. of course. So I always think when there's a lull in fire, the enemy's maneuvering. That's what's happening. You're you're going in on attack. You're walking, and there's nothing going bad. You're walking into an ambush. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Complacency kills. Yeah. Uh, and this is a similar one. The problem with taking the easy way out is that the enemy has already mined it. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. that easy path. There's a decent chance. Yeah. It's easy for a reason. You know, the high ground that looks all ripe. You want to get up there? Yep, there's a reason. The enemy probably is thinking the exact same thing, and they're going to be ready for you. Um, and then this is a, another similar one. Actually, all four of these. There's like a group of four. The other, These other two are the enemy diversion you have been ignoring is their main attack. 
So when you're looking at your competitor and you're like, oh, they're just doing that to try and throw us off. No, actually, that's their main attack, or at least it could be. And the last one is the enemy only attacks on two occasions, when they are ready and when you're not. <laughs> and I guess, I guess actually this one goes into it as well. When you have secured an area, make sure the enemy knows too. Because when you're like, oh yeah, we're good, we got this area secured, the enemy doesn't necessarily agree with you. Mm-hmm. So all of these are kind of wrapped around the, the theory of, or the idea of complacency, you know? If you are thinking things are going well, what can you do to improve your position? I had that, uh, that guy that at SEAL Team 1, we used to do this run. Back in the day, we called it Coronado Run. It was, I guess, maybe a six-mile or seven-miler, but all those, all those streets that we'd be running on are 90-degree angles. Mm-hmm. And so one of my buddies who was a really good runner, and he would like be competing to see who he could beat. And he, when he would turn that 90-degree corner and he'd be out of your sight for a second, he would run as hard as he could to increase the distance, and then you'd run, turn the corner and see how far he was like, you'd break your morale. So that's a good thing to do. That is incredible. Yeah. I, I, you said this, that story before, and I love it. Like, I just love hearing that. When he told me that, I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. Just like turn the corner and break their mm-hmm. freaking morale. But all of those things of, of keeping moving forward, improving your position, not thinking that everything's gonna be okay, when you're not ready to attack, when you're not ready to, for their attack, that's probably when they're going to attack. These are all just keeping a proactive, default, aggressive mindset at all times. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I use so you 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 shared that story with us October of 2020 uh, when we were mm-hmm. doing our all hands thing down in Dripping Springs, yep. and I've always known that mindset and had that mindset. But then when you told the story, it was very like for me and I've been doing that in jujitsu since um, you know I don't get to train very often like if I train four to five times in a month like that's a good month just because I'm busy yep. in the priorities and it goes back to that priority thing like hey I could go train every day I'm home or I could spend some time with my wife and kids yep. and try to work on the marriage and family and mm-hmm. then also find training when it's there it's just when it's just not that top level priority for me right now so but with that being said so I'll go train and the you know, the gym I train at in, in, in Dallas-Fort Worth at double five is, I mean, it's it's awesome. I mean, a slow Wednesday noon class, there's 13 black belts there. Nice. With oh, 40 people on the mats. I mean, there, we've had up 17, 18, 19 black belts, a high level black belts at a noon class on a Monday, Wednesday, oh, or yeah. Friday. It's it's amazing. It's <laughs> it's amazing. That's like, uh, I, I we had a crew in there the other day and I, I posted a picture oh of everyone. I, I just wrote, no easy rounds. No easy rounds. Because you were getting no easy rounds in there, boy. There was no resting. I wanted, and that was the day we were leaving. I know, And yeah, you're like, you hey, left. you want to train? I'm like looking at everybody. I'm like, <laughs> yes, because everybody in yeah. here will murder me. Yeah. And I wanted that. <laughs> anyway, so the mindset where I'll do for jujitsu is like, I'll be getting trashed. Like these guys trash me. But you know who's the first one to stand up after that hard round? Yeah. Me, every single time. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just you just completely trashed me, but I'm gonna stand up yep. and just for that mental my yep. and I actually one of the black belts is like, bro, you know what really messes with me? He goes, I can beat you, but you make it really hard. <laughs> he goes, and then you just stand up like it's no big deal. And he goes, Aesthetically, I look better than you, but you get up like it was no factor. I'm like, I'm just playing mind games with you. And he goes, I knew it. I used to when I was training a lot of MMA fighters, and we'd be putting them in the Shark Tank, like mm-hmm. you know, multiple fresh guys and all that. They'd get done with a round, and 
I don't stands up, stand up, hands up, yep. stand up, hands up. Like stand up, put your hands up yep. like you won that round, like you won that fight mm-hmm. every single time. As yes. soon as that bell goes, stand up, hands up. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how hard that can be it for is. people. There's a lot of times they don't want I mean, you see it in the UFC. Mm-hmm. You'll see a, a UFC fight. You should absolutely 100% when that bell goes, especially that last one, that last bell, the fifth round or the third round, mm-hmm. when that bell sounds and the ref steps in, you should stand up, hands up, 100%. Because those judges are watching you and you got to show them, I'm, I'm not tired, mm-hmm. I could go more rounds, whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't, ha- I mean, everybody knows that they should do that. But you see, it only ha- it doesn't always happen. Yeah, I'll walk around and be like, get up, grabbing guys, like pulling them up, pulling them up. One of my, uh, one of the black belts I train with, Weston, uh, he's just a stud. I love watching him compete. He's just very high level, and he's always like, we'll be walking around, and he'll see me doing it. He'll be like, he'll get up real quick. He's like, I don't want you to grab me, <laughs> and uh, just you know, uh, and let me be very clear, Weston trashes me. Like, sure, like sure. there's literally nothing I can do sure. to him. But it's that mental game that we play with. He's like, I don't want you to get to me when I'm sitting mm-hmm. down, which, you know, he, and he's competing and doing very well. And now it's the point where, like, even if guys can't stand up, I don't let them lay on their back. That's mm-hmm. a complete sign of defeat, like submission. <laughs> when you lay on your back, you are literally accepting complete domination and defeat. If you can't stand up, at least roll over me on your hands and knees. Mm-hmm. Like at least get to that position. And I was telling one of my buddies that I'm like, he was laying down. We got done doing a workout. I'm like, get up. He's like, I can't. I'm like, roll over. He goes, okay. <laughs> he rolls over, and I explained to him why. He goes, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I actually feel better now. Yeah. But it's just so when you're like, like laying on your back. But think Come about on, that. Man. I can't. Of course you can get up. Yes, you can. Of course you. Can if get you up. can talk, you can get up. Stand up, hands up. Yes, that's what we're doing. After the rounds, stand up, hands up. There you go. Uh. Next one here, number 21, left to themselves, things will go from bad to worse. Yep. That means that the the chaotic situation is going to get worse. The the bad relationship you have with with your one of your coworkers or with your boss, it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Not going to get better. The firefight that's going on, it's going to get worse. The disruption in the manufacturing line that just happened, it's going to get worse. This is why what we teach is being default aggressive. You got to go in there and solve these problems. They're not going to solve themselves. So the hardest one I think people have is the hard conversations. And if they learn how to frame hard conversations in a positive way, they're actually not that hard. So the classic example, JP's late. Instead of me saying, hey, JP, you were late. I'm going to write you up. No, I say, hey, JP, I noticed you were late. Is everything okay? And all of a sudden, it's not a hard conversation at all. And yet JP knows that, hey, I I can't be late. Cool, done. So we got a whole bunch of that stuff. But... That is what we're talking about. The earlier you have a hard conversation, the easier it is, and then we can actually take ownership and have a positive mindset and and learn to speak things in a positive way. You will be able to have you'll be able to make even really hard conversations easy. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down default aggressive. Yep. You know, just getting in there, handling that problem, having that hard conversation, and we all know that. Nothing gets better if you just let, any problems that you ignore, they don't yep. go away, they don't get better, like they get worse. Yep. And, and by the way, for that one person that's listening right now, that's like, you know, actually, there's sometimes a time, there's a time to take a tackle pause. Yes, you're right. Cool. But yep. that's an actual decision that you're making. And sometimes it's like, oh, you know, two of my employees are, are getting angry at each other, but they're only discussing it. I'm going to let to see if they can resolve it. Okay. But you pay attention. That's a conscious decision that you're making. Yes. We get it. Yes. We understand that there's a time for a tackle ball. I usually say seven out of ten times action, action 
beats inaction. Seven, three times, it's better just to hold on a second. Let me see what's going on here. Let me watch. Let me, and we, in fact, in the SEAL teams, we teach, you've got to let the situation develop. We actually teach yes. that. Sometimes you've got to let the situation develop. The better you are, the less you have to wait for that situation uh-huh. to develop because you can already identify what to do. But sometimes you got to let it develop and see where it's going. And you then don't you make a call because you don't recognize the OODA loop that you're in. Now, exactly. the more experience that you have, you see things formulating. Yep, you're a lot faster because you're detached. And it's like having the high ground. If mm-hmm. I have the high ground, guess what? I can see everything. <laughs> I can if I'm on the top yep. of a building <laughs> with my sniper rifle. I can see everything that's going on around me. If I'm not at the top, if I'm not detached with that higher perspective, I don't see what's developing. So that comes from experience and time and training and all that stuff. And um, yeah, you got you got to get out there and solve those problems. I mean, yep. I was what we were talking about earlier. Both of those two separate businesses I'm helping start up. Both of the guys that I'm working with are being super default aggressive right now. Josh, printing company, he's being super default aggressive to get all this stuff set up. Like, hey, because we were just talking, I'm like, hey, what if we can't get this? What if we can't get this? What do we need to do? And he goes, yep, 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 yep. Steven, with little cattle cut, with the beef thing, he, like, not getting responses, drives to the processing place. And they're like, nobody's nobody's done that before. Mm -hmm. He drove there to have a face-to-face conversation, to build a relationship, to shake hands with these guys, and guess what, what we now have? We have what you need. We have exactly <laughs> what we need because that was a problem. Yeah. Not getting responses like, hey, man, if we're getting ready to process this beef, we need the ability to actually do it. And instead of just being like, well, no one's responding, he drove hours in Texas to go in hopes that, you know, and because he was able to do that and be default aggressive, it's yeah. it's because that problem is not going to go away by no, itself ever. So there you go. Uh, number 22, if you can't remember, the claymore is pointed toward you. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with this, a claymore is a claymore mine. It, it literally says on it, front towards enemy, and you're supposed to point that thing where the bad guys are. If for whatever reason you go out and you set up your claymore and you don't remember if you did it right, you did it wrong. Mm. And, and that's one of those things where, you know, we, did, did you leave the oven on? Mm-hmm. Yep. When, you, when you're driving down, you know, and you think, did I leave the oven on? You left it on. <laughs> did I leave the iron on, you know, on my shirt? Yep, you left it on. So assume that you screwed up because you probably did. Hmm. It's weird how you do things without, and the, the first time I noticed, I remember I was a new guy. And we're like doing CQC, what we used to call CQB. Close quarterback. Yeah, then it got turned into, close quarters combat but back in the day when it was CQB we actually had a we had a, a new guy who's a great dude but we and everyone had to write their own bullets for their evaluation and he wrote you know uh, went through C cubed B like C to the third power <laughs> oh, B and shit. it's the funny thing is it's just because he just didn't know he just heard us talk about CQB he thought it was CQB so we, we like you know, of course, got him T-shirts that said CQB and whatever <laughs> oh, that's else. That's amazing. Uh, but what I remember is going into a room when I was a new guy and like going through the you know the room or whatever, and then going, "Oh my god, I didn't put my weapon back on safe. I hope no one notices." And then I realized, "Oh, my weapon is unsafe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did it without thinking about it." And you're like, "Oh, there's going to be some muscle memory happening here, and that's a positive thing, but it's also a little bit it's a little bit strange to get used to, you know, unless you have that those mechanics down." That then you can make mistakes, and it's good to be able to detach enough to check yourself, t- 
to check that muscle memory that's happening and be like, cool, yep, I'm on safe. Yep, I'm, you know, here's what I'm doing next. But uh, you will definitely train, you can train some things to a point where you do it without thinking. And that's why you leave the house and you don't remember if you turn the oven off. You pro- to go against Murphy's Law, you probably did shut it off. You just don't remember it uh-huh. because it's instinctive. I mean, how many times do you do that with your weapon? You do a press check, press check. <laughs> Put it in your holster, grab, retain, retain. Okay, yeah, it's retained. So, you know, it's just, yeah. you just. Just habitual. Mm-hmm. As uh, Pat Max says, make it habitual. Rock yeah. and roll. And then like <laughs> late at night, when before you go to bed, when you, know, you check all the doors. Yeah, right? security. Same deal, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, you just checked the one, but you kind of forgot that you did it. Yeah. You go back, check it in, okay, I did. Yeah. Same deal. There you go. It happens, man. I d- the the I'm, perimeter of your property. You're yeah. like, well, no one was there, but somebody's there now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one. No combat ready unit has ever passed inspection. No inspection ready unit has ever passed combat. Mm. And look, you know, obviously you, you've got to have discipline. You've got to make sure things are squared away. Here's what here's the here's the takeaway from that one. And and like like all these things are written to be funny, and they're funny because they have an element of truth in it. I yes. probably should have pointed that out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. What makes them funny, what makes them catchy, what makes them fun to read is that they have an element of truth in them. So obviously, if there's a combat unit that is all dressed up in their starched camis and their polished boots, they're not ready for combat, and they're not gonna, they might pass an inspection, but they won't pass combat. Vice versa, you take a unit that's just been in combat in the field, there's no way they pass an inspection because they all are, yeah. you know, all jacked up. So to me, the the important thing to think about here is what are you focused on? Hmm. What are you focused on? What is your business focused on? What are your te- what is your team focused on from a leadership perspective? Are you focused on the right thing? Because if you're focused, if you're getting ready to go into combat and you're focused on inspecting people's boots and inspecting their haircuts, you're focused on the wrong thing. If you're in business and you're in manufacturing and what you're focused on is how you set up your shipping with products that you're not ready to make yet, you're focused on the wrong thing. So make sure that you are focused on things that are pertinent to what's actually happening. No one cares about being ready to ship things that haven't been made yet. Yeah. Especially when we're not even being able to ship things that have been made. <laughs> so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Make sure you are you are focused on the right thing. Number twenty-four. And by the way, these numbers you're going to look at. There's uh, these are my numbers. I organize these things, and you can tell I kind of put them in groups. Mm-hmm. I think I got most of them in the right groups, but these are if you're like following along with some other Murphy's Law. Uh, you're not going to be matched with mine. So before you go to 24, on that last one, I'm just thinking, how many times, I know I've done this a lot as a parent, like how many times do you think parents are out there violating that one, like just making things a bigger issue than they are with their kids? Oh, yeah. That's a great point. So how does a parent remind themselves of that? Yeah, I'll tell you how. You read Murphy's Laws and you go, hey, (laughs) like no kid – that ever did perfect in this arena ever was successful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, what are you gonna make your kid good at? You're gonna make your kid good at uh, studying for a spelling bee or you're gonna make them good at interacting with other human beings? Yes. Look, the spelling bee is cool, but if you're like, no, I don't want you hanging around with other kids because you got stuff to study, okay. You're gonna have a kid that knows how to spell. I'd rather have someone that knows how to interact. I'd rather know someone that have a kid that knows how to learn. I'd rather have a kid that knows how to defend himself. Mm-hmm. Like, so. Great point. 
What are you focused on? You're, you should make sure that your kid is ready for life. Life. To be competent in life. And not to be competent in, look, spelling, look, I'm not trying to bag on spelling bees. I get it. It's hard. Them kids can spell. Mm-hmm. And I'm a terrible speller, by the way. English major. Yeah. Thank God it was English. I had to, to read and not, like, spell. I'm not a good speller. And I don't care. I don't care. I got spell check, homie. I was just going to say, we have technology <laughs> on our side now. But, you know, whatever thing you, you think might be the most important thing for your kid, and you if you're if you're gaffing off a bunch of other important mm-hmm. things, and even like like school, school in general. If your kid sits around and studies all day and they don't, they're not involved in athletics, they're not interacting with other people, they're not getting social interaction, they're not learning about you know how to support themselves financially, all those things. Mm-hmm. So be well-rounded. Make sure you're not focused on stupid things like passing an inspection. Do you want your team to be able to pass an inspection? Yep. Yeah. Is that gonna be the main focus? Shouldn't be. Yeah, I want performance. Yeah, I want my kids to go out there and dominate in life. And look, you kids that are into spelling bees, cool, good. That takes a lot of, you've you've seen how much those kids study? No. It's like I watched a documentary on it, on spelling bee kids. I mean, it's, it's impressive. It's very impressive. It's very impressive that they do that and, and I, there's obviously life lessons that come from the spelling bee yes. about perseverance, about discipline, about trying to achieve excellence, trying to achieve perfection, as you mentioned earlier. And if your kid has a gift for it and they're into it, okay, let them go. Yes. If they're not into it and if you're fulfilling your spelling bee dreams, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> please don't do it. And by the way, if you're fulfilling your jiu-jitsu dreams or you're fulfilling your football dreams, or you're fulfilling your, your uh, Ivy League college dreams through your child, just check yourself. Just check yourself. Actually, check them and make sure that they're aligned with your goals. Yeah. Because thank- if they're not aligned with your goals, then you're not you're not doing them any favors. I'm thankful my dad was that type of dad because my dad was really good, really good football player, like mm. like really good football player. And I had some of his same teachers when I went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember they're like, "You gonna play ball like your old man?" I'm like, "Probably not." And that actually like bothered some of the teachers. Yeah. Like, so one of the teachers, I, like, it kind of bothers me right now. <laughs> did not did not like me because of that. Yeah. And I finally played football my my junior year because you know what, you know it was cool. The idea of it was cool, yeah. but I also wanted to do it because I really know that my dad wanted me to do it. Mm-hmm. I did it. Cool. Whatever. Did that one that one year. <laughs> Just wasn't my jam. Like I wasn't yeah. like very good at it. I didn't really like it. You I wasn't. One year. You know. Yeah, but I, I wasn't like passionate about it you know i really enjoyed i was going i was doing adventure races i really like doing kickboxing and wrestling and that type of stuff uh and then i told my dad i'm like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play again he goes cool like Mm -hmm. it didn't bother him and he's like well what do you want to do next year i'm like i don't know water polo i played water polo and i wish i would have started that my freshman year because Mm -hmm. i did it one year and did very well in it it's like dude you're in the pool and you can fight this is awesome and but my dad was super cool, and I'm thankful because, like, not a lot of parents are, are like that. It's like, no, you're going to do this, and then they create the animosity. But you got that. Uh, you got that fast twitch genetics mm-hmm. too, man. Like, played running back one year. Yeah. yeah. Like you, and your dad. We were we were talking earlier. Uh, I was talking to Jay, talking to Jason, and yeah, I was like, Jason yeah, Khalifa, yeah. When I think so, your dad must have been 50 at the time, and and he was training a little bit of jujitsu. 
and like we rolled and you know I'm thinking like of course I'm I'm probably like 35 at the time or whatever and I'm kind of like yeah I gotta go easy on the old man you know I don't want to hurt him this dude grabs a hold of like my head no he was 45 45 yeah, yeah he grabs all and I'm looking at him like hey this guy's an ancient you know old man <laughs> yeah, he whatever. He was so old. yeah and I'm like uh, you know, I better just, you know, but he grabs my head and like tries to rip it off. And I was like, this guy is 100% fast twitch muscle. <laughs> that's what, and, and that's he's been what doing he's construction his whole life. For sure. At that time, he's doing a lot of brick and block work. Oh, yeah. And so he's just, I remember he would grab two center blocks like with a pinching method, mm-hmm. not like grip, mm-hmm. but where they're side by side yep. and lift them up by pinching them and would sit there. And, and he's doing that all day. All day. But he would sit there and talk with you while he's doing that. And you're like, how are you doing that? So he starts doing jujitsu, but yeah. So, so there you go. Don't impose your dreams on your kids, please. Come on. Uh, I'm guilty. I imposed a lot of jujitsu dreams on my kids when they were young, yeah. uh, and I should have been a little bit more. I should have been a little bit more open to let them find their own path, and eventually they did all find their own path to back to jujitsu. Praise God. They found that path back to jujitsu. Yeah, all of our kids love it. Aiden's really enjoying wrestling, and you know, as a parent, like I was trying to figure out that for like he's he'll be seventeen in a few weeks, mm-hmm. and he's a junior, and next year he's senior year, and he's yep. gone. Like I don't yep. know what he's going to go do. I mean, we do know jujitsu, but yeah, jujitsu, <laughs> and he's going to keep wrestling, but uh, and he'll keep doing jujitsu. But like for the career path, you know, like mm-hmm. as a parent, you're like, man, I want my kids to be successful. I want them to win, but I want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like as a parent, like I couldn't be more proud of him right now because what he's pursuing, what he wants to do is he wants to go in the ministry. Our church has a college program where he can go through this college program through our church, get a degree and like go into the ministry. And our church has a mentorship program for it. It's just like the FTXs that we do in regards. They put people in different positions of leadership and they rotate them through and they debrief and they talk and they do all. It's a really cool program that they have. And he's. That's all he wants to do. He wants to keep wrestling, do jujitsu, and then when he graduates, go into the ministry. And this is a cool thing. I want if this is what he wants to do, I want him to do it. But I think he wants to do it because of what I used to do and what we do at Echelon Front. Uh, he asked me, he's like, "Hey, <laughs> this is so awesome." He goes, "Do you know in the military?" Can chaplains carry a machine gun? Because <laughs> he said he wants to get his degree in ministry, work at a church, and then he wants to go in the military to be a chaplain, but he wants to carry a machine gun. And I'm like, well, you know, by that point, who knows? I don't know, bud, but let's just, you know, focus he, little, he's little gonna, steps. He's going to be a chaplain that identifies as a machine gun. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what's cool about that is at a young age when you have a program that's what you know for you for me guys that went into the military at a young age is like it takes all your random energy that you have and testosterone that you have and it just focuses it here's what you do did you know I found this out the other day I was talking to one of my buddies and he said the below age of 20 making it through buds basic seal training is 5% Sweet. Yep. So like you and me, uh, Jason Gardner, like yeah, we were we were young. <laughs> you know, we were. I think Cowie. Cowie. Yeah. Yep. So it's a it's a low number, and it's just a matter of maturity. You know, like you don't and and there's a physical aspect too. There is. You know, like when you're 18 or 19 years old, you're not fully developed yet mm-hmm. at all. Like you give yourself four or five more years, guys that are 24. 23, 24 years old going through basic skill training, they 
they have much more of their man strength at that oh, point. For sure. Now you might not be healing up as quick as you freaking young Jock or young JP. Oh. <laughs> Just like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Legs broke compound fracture, it'll be okay it'll on, be right. on Monday. <laughs> uh Check. Sorry, I derailed that one. No, it's all good, man. That's what we're here for. Oh, no, what I was going to say about your son is like, oh, Oh. here's a path that you can get on. You follow this path and and life is good. Life is good. You follow this path, life is good. You go in the military, you follow this path, life is good. I think in the old days too, old days, I don't mean that old, but even, you know, nowadays, you, you might know more about this Echo Charles, but... The number, the average career path now is like you change you change jobs every two three years. A normal person right now changes job every two three years. Like a that's like a normal kid graduates college three years ago has probably already had two different jobs. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Back in the day, it was like oh you're going to work for Ford and you're going to be there for thirty five years. Period in the store. You're going to work for IBM. You're going to be there for you're going to work down at this you know at the water treatment plant. And you're going to be doing like I have that friends that, that went into that. I think I'm a little bit more of the generation that was like, oh, you get done, you get a job mm-hmm. at that company, in that factory, in that power company, you know, whatever that job that you go into, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Most likely at that company, most likely for your whole life. Yeah. It, and. I've thought about that a few times because I mean, you know, I did just under 12 years in the Navy. I, you know, we've talked about why I've got out and you know, the decision I made was the right decision for that time in my life. Um, even though I loved it, I, I still wish I was, I was in, you know, but I remember when I was working at that, that financial company, you know, I was like, cool, I'm going to do this until I'm done. Cause I just like thought like, cool. And then, you know, a few years into it, things are shifting and changing and I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm gonna go do my own thing. And then, and I felt really weird, like leaving that because I felt like I was like, like I shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. And then coming up with Echelon Front, I'm like, cool, I'm really good until the day I die. You know, <laughs> until you get in lay for like, hey, no more, homie. Like I, I'm like here, and you know, and we talked earlier. Like I have other businesses that I'm starting and investing into, for the purpose of like, I want my kids to have something to earn, yeah. to be a part of. There is nothing else I'm going to do other than echelon front in regards to a career. Like yeah. this is my yeah. life. Yeah, we just had that. This is everything for me. <laughs> we just got asked that question on the, on, the, on the underground podcast. Like, hey, you know, Jocko, what do you think you'll be doing when you're 60 or 70 years old? And I was like, oh, doing jujitsu, surfing, speaking, writing, doing the podcast, uh, talking to companies about leadership. Like that's what I'll be doing. Yeah. Um, I won't be traveling as much. Eventually, that'll throttle back from yeah, me. Yeah, uh, but that's what I'll be doing. Not anytime soon, Jack. Keep booking it. <laughs> Keep booking the gigs. All right. Uh, number 24, the tough part about being an officer is that the troops don't know what they want, but they know for certain what they don't want. That's a very interesting commentary about human nature. Is And it's true about people. Like, you try and impose something on something that people don't want, they're gonna tell you. Yeah. They might not know what to ask for, mm-hmm. but they're gonna know, hey, here's a conversation my wife will have with me. This is me too. My wife will be like, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. What about this place? No. no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's like, I do that all day long with my wife. You just raised the blood pressure of how many <laughs> million men across the world that are listening right now, and how many million women are just laughing right now. Mm-hmm. So. That is true. You, it's going to be. It's always going to be harder. That what that does is it makes it the job for you harder when you're in a leadership pers- uh, leadership position, because you're making they they can't sometimes they can't quite tell you what it is that they want to do or how they want to do something, 
But when you tell them, when you make it a suggestion, they don't like your suggestion. So trying to find that balance is an important thing. And leading them down the path by asking them earnest questions, instead of imposing it, it's gonna be a better, better option. Mm-hmm. You know, if my wife was to say, well, what kind of mood, what kind of food are you in the mood for? Now she's leading me to say, well, I'm, I'm looking for something different tonight. Like a ribeye. <laughs> as opposed to her prime rib. Yeah, as opposed to her prime rib. Um, next one. Number 25 here. Every command that can be misunderstood will be. Yep. That's, that's why we do read back. That's why when I texted JP, hey, this is what time we're doing the podcast tomorrow. This is what we're going to be talking about. JP texted, Roger, I copy. We will be meeting at this time, at this location, and the topic will be this. And I texted back affirmative. There's no misunderstanding there. No. That's why we have the read back. And when you think you, man, when you think people understand things, they just don't. They just don't. Listen. There's things that would, when, when I walk into the room, I think JP understands something. He 100% doesn't. Now when I tell him, now I think, well, since I told him, he understands it. He 70% doesn't. <laughs> when I explain it to him pretty detailed, and I think he's got it 100%, he doesn't, he's got it now, there's, there's still 30% he doesn't understand. I've gotta sit down, make sure he fully understands it, and then have him say it back to me in his own words, and then we're good. That's the way it works. The minute you assume that people know something or understand something or understand how you want something done there's going to be some there's going to be some delta in that understanding (laughs) uh radios will fail as soon as you need them yeah and that's that that is a bizarre one that is a that is a bizarre it's it's uh like a ufo what's it you unidentified flying object what's that a phenomena sure right this happens so much that it seems like it's a phenomenon of life. Like the minute you need, really need something to happen through radios, they're not gonna work. The minute you really need to get a text out, for some reason your phone's not working. Oh, I have went from being connected to the Wi-Fi and five bars to SOS on my phone. I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm in my own house and I'm on SOS. I'm like, what is what is going on? Dude, I know where your mind goes. I, that's happened to me a few times recently where all of a sudden I'm like, EMP just happened. Activate the plan. Hope the man and the kids know to make their way back to the house and we're gonna roll. <laughs> Move to rally point seven. Yeah, at this rally time. point seven at this point. <laughs> Uh, that means you got to come up with plans for no comms. In, yes. in the SEAL teams, we have something called a no comms plan. That means if I haven't heard from JP by this time, I'm going to move to this position. I'm going to look for a visual signal. If I don't get a visual signal, I'm going to move closer and look for another visual signal. If I don't see it, I'm going in and I'm going to make contact mm-hmm. at a certain position. So we have what we call loss of comms plans or no comms plans. You should have that for everything that's going on. Everything with your family. I mean, and this is not a, like to scare your family or scare your kids, but this should actually provide comfort to your family and your kids. Amanda knows, hey, if something happens and I'm on the road, if something happens crazy and I'm on the road, you stay at the house and give me two to three days. I, there's zero chance I do not make it back to my family within two to three days anywhere in the United States, no. unless I'm dead. 
and she knows that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I'm not there within three to four, five days, I'm dead. I'm dead. Execute, this is what you execute need execute to execute. Plan, Charlie. Yeah, and this is what you need to do. And this is not like a fear mongering thing. It's like, hey, we're going to be prepared just in case. And we've talked about it with our kids. Hey, if this happens, and you know, like, and obviously the tone, tact, and delivery mm-hmm. when you're talking with your kids about this needs to be completely different mm-hmm. than with your buddies and your, you know, your friends and your <laughs> and your wife. But like our kids know, like, hey, if this happens, like, okay. Like, this is what we're going to do as a family. This is the other families that we're going to go link up with. And, you know, and yep. this is this is going to be fun. It's going to be a little adventure. Yeah, it sure is. It's going to be fun nah, for us. he knows the deal. He's like, that, dude, that boy just wants to be a part of something. <laughs> He's six foot two, 100, 183 pounds right now. How old is he? 17? He's 17 in yeah. two weeks. And he's six foot what? Six foot two, nice. 183 pounds. We're in size 15 shoe. It's a man child. Mm-hmm. It's not a child. 15 shoe? Size 15 shoe. That's fun to try to find. One of, yeah, that's always. He's wearing like the dorkiest shoes anyone can because he's <laughs> no, got like the, the No, last there's pair. good ones now. Oh, really? There, there's good brands out there now. You know James Thank Nielsen? You. Of course. James Nielsen, he's one of our black belts. Um, old school black belt. But he had like real big feet. <laughs> like every time you'd show up, you'd be like, bro, what's up? <laughs> Some of them kicks, homie. <laughs> like, no, there's like all there's good up. brands now. Yeah, like, good. Oh, like Brooks running and I think there's... And New Balance also like mm-hmm. goes up to fifteen, so he's good. I mean, they still look funny on him because yeah. they're such big shoes. So the the thing is, is he gonna grow more? What are they saying? Yeah, he, he'll be six four to six five. Dude, yeah. Because yeah. one of my old teammates, um, who uh, who's my roommate for a long time, but he was he was five eleven when he went to college, mm-hmm. and he he got he got uh, like D two scholarship offers for basketball. And he didn't take them because he was like, oh, I'm just going to go get my education, whatever. I'm obviously not going to be able to play pro. He grew five inches in college, graduated at 6'4", came in the dirt. Dang, that's awesome. That guy, could, that guy could do any athletic pursuit like a like a beast. Um, so there you go. That's going to be interesting. 6'5". Yeah, 6'4". Dude, size five. 15s is no joke. Yeah, his hands are huge too. I mean, he, he's, he's lifting at school because it's part of the wrestling program. Mm. I mean, we have a full... Uh, you've seen our yep. setup at the house. It's mm-hmm. awesome. He's starting to get a little more intrigued in it at the house as well. And, you know, a man will be like, hey, man, you know, how many times, is, you know, you've heard Jocko talk about, man, if I had this set up when I was a kid, you know. And so he's now starting to, mm-hmm. dude, man, if he starts, like, lifting, oh, yeah. it's because he's on testosterone. Because he's a 17-year-old kid. Like, the people go on testosterone so that they can have the testosterone that your 17-year-old son has. I'm on testosterone for the rest of my life (laughs) because my body doesn't produce it so that I can be able to maintain that gap as long as I can. I know it's going to happen with him. It's fine. Whatever. He's going to be jacked. Uh, I got the old man strength, though. (laughs) I will say, uh, you know, never read the comments. You heard this? Yes, I have. I, I read comments sure. um, I, I occasionally, like but but I had to read the comments about there was a, a Jocko Fuel put up a video of my gym, my home gym, hmm. and so people were commenting. And one of the comments, you know, people were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that's a home gym," because my gym is pretty legit. It's amazing. But someone wrote, "Your home gym is better than my gym gym." <laughs> <laughs> that's so, amazing. So I like that comment. Pretty good. Good one. Uh, number twenty-seven. Anything can get you killed. Including nothing. Again, I talked with a military unit today, and I was talking about how you be be worried about things that you can control. And you said this earlier today, like don't worry about things you can't control. Concern yourself with things that you can't control, because anything gets you killed, including nothing. So get over that the the element of chance that happens in life, that happens in business. You know what? You could have a fire in your factory tomorrow. 
And if you focus all of your effort worrying about something that could low possibility happen, but it could happen, you're wasting your time and effort. So don't let that happen. Number 28, if you take more than your fair share of objectives, you will get more than your fair share of objectives to take. This is known. The harder you work and the better you perform, the more responsibility you're going to get, the more, in my mind, opportunity you're gonna get. You know, I'm gonna do a squared away thing. When I was a young guy, there's another thing I was talking about today with this military unit. I was the youngest and most junior guy in my first two, two SEAL platoons. What did I do? Everything that I could take charge of, I took charge of. You know, I was a radio man, so that meant I was taking charge of all those radios. If there was a communication plan to come up, I was gonna make it, I was gonna do, take charge of as much as you can, and you're gonna get more to take charge of, which is good. So, you know, this is a Murphy's Law thing, and this is said sort, sort of, you know, tongue in cheek, like, oh, if you work hard, you're gonna get more work. They're looking at it negative, I look at it positive. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I used to get so mad. I never expressed it on the outside, never let a client know. But at the beginning of working with Echelon Front, I would always ask like, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen if you're the only person that takes ownership? Cause I just want people to think like, okay, like what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? And there's always be like this one person be like, you're gonna get more work. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. Because guess what? You get to solve the problems. You have control over the thing that you're complaining about that nobody else is fixing. Like that's a good thing. And and guys and gals would push back and be like, but yeah, but you're you have more work on your plate. And on the inside, I would want to like, I was like, I'd get combative because I hate that mindset of just like just I'm gonna do the bare minimum, I'm gonna be super lazy. And so I would realize like, oh, I'm not framing this question the right way, or I'm not given enough like mm-hmm. enough information so that they can see like, hey, this is actually a good thing. But you know, as we have the conversation, you pull the thread, all those people eventually would be like, all right, yeah, you're right. Like there's nothing bad that's gonna come from me taking ownership. I'm like, hey, if, if you don't do the work, does the work eventually need to be get, does it need to be done? And they're all, everyone always like, well, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> So is there the possibility that the work could be put on your plate because it needs to be get done? Yeah. Okay, and since you've waited so long to do the work, is it in a better situation than if you would have just taken ownership, been default aggressive, and started solving that problem sooner? And they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean. I, I wanna do work on my terms. Yes. Not on anybody else's terms. <laughs> so I'm not gonna wait for someone to tell me what to do, I'm gonna make it happen. And by the way, when I take ownership of this project that no one wanted to do, and I get it done, and then I get tasked another project, and I go, okay, hey boss, I'll definitely get this thing done. By the way, I need two people to, here to support me. I need I, those two people from the other team that isn't doing anything, I need them with me. Okay, cool, yep, you got them. Why, because you're performing. All of a sudden, I've got a team, and we're doing work together. My life is actually getting easier. I'm having more influence over my world, more influence over accomplishing the mission. Why, because I took ownership, so yeah. There you go. Number 29, if everything seems to be going well, you have overlooked something. I suppose I should have put that one up with a complacency department. But again, really smart to not get swept up by the mob. The mob's all high-fiving each other, all congratulating each other on what a great job you did and what a great job the team did. You should be the one as a leader. And by the way, you could be anywhere in the chain of command looking around going, okay, what do we miss? How can we improve our position right now? Where can we move? How can we get better? 
the easy way is always mind. We already covered that. Wait, the easy way is, is always, always mind. mind. Is that kind of the same as yeah. if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is kind of a thing? Could, yes. Could be, yeah, yeah, yes, for sure. Very similar. Hmm. Um, that's one. I There were some repeats in here as I pulled from different lists. I can see I, I put that one in twice pretty much. And this is another similar one. Try to look unimportant. They may be low on ammo. And again, this is this is one of those like <laughs> tongue-in-cheek ones. You know, the military is filled with people and with a whole genre of humor of avoiding work, you know, skating as much as you can. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a I, I found some acronym for skate, and it's like you know, S-K-A-T-E, and it had all these things, you know, sneak away when you can, <laughs> and uh, K was like, keep your name off of volunteer list. It had like a whole thing. One of them was like, don't take responsibility. A, uh, but any, anyways, there's a whole genre avoid of- Avoid mili- responsibility, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, avoid, I think that actually was it. Like, it's like avoid responsibility. It, it, it's funny, I was gonna cover it on, on the academy because each one of them is like the counter to the principles that yes, we teach. that's awesome. So, but there's a whole genre of humor in the military, and it probably, you know, was, it, it existed in World War II. It probably found its home during Vietnam where you had a bunch of draftees mm-hmm. that were like, didn't want to be there. So there's a whole genre of military in there, or of military humor that's avoid work, skate as much as you can, and this is one of those, try to look important. Try to look unimportant, they may be low on ammo. <laughs> uh, this is an important one. Professionals are predictable. It's the amateurs that are dangerous. We know this from fighting, right? Jiu-jitsu white belts. Jiu-jitsu white belts. They're never going to beat you. They could definitely hurt you by doing something stupid. And after they hurt you with your hurt ankle or knee, you submit them, put them to sleep, and then you got to go get freaking, you know, uh, ice pack. Mm -hmm. Because this idiot threw an elbow into your eye socket because they were spazzing out and doing something that was totally unpredictable. So, yes, professionals are predictable. It's amateurs that are dangerous. This includes like people that you're working with, people that don't understand the, if you bring in people from other industries, which I totally support, they might do things that you don't predict. So pay attention to that. If you have competitors that are new in the industry and you're calling their shots, maneuvering to, to, to keep them in check, they might do things you didn't expect because professionals are predictable, but amateurs can be dangerous. Number 34, a sucking chest wound is nature's way of telling you to slow down. Oh my gosh. Now, what I like about that one is- The humor. Well, yeah. <laughs> the dark humor. Obviously the dark humor, <laughs> but this is also JP getting a call, getting a, a mission tasking the day after his 40th birthday where he's been on the road for a week and looking at his wife and saying, yep, hey, that weekend we had planned, we're gonna cancel it because I gotta go do a gig. The look on her face is the sucking chest wound. Okay, maybe she didn't give you that look. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, in her defense, there was no look, but I knew. Yeah. I just knew. So you felt you it. felt the sucking chest wound yourself. I felt it. Right. She was detached. She was normal face. I just want to be this very, very clear. My wife has mm-hmm. been amazing since day one. Yeah. Like, cool, you're gonna miss our anniversary again? Whatever. Awesome. Oh, you're missing me having surgery? Sure. Uh, can you just fly my my mom in to help take care of me while you're gone for two weeks doing FTA? Like, she's yep. never once complained about yep. anything. 
and all those things I said are factual things. I know. I, I felt it. She was normal yep. face because she was like, "Oh, I think he'll heal." Yep. So yep. I just want to be on my wife's defense. There you go. But yes, you're right. That is 100. percent It was like, hey, you know what? You need to slow down right yep. now. You need to slow down. So pay attention to that. The sucking chest wound when you're when you're working yourself to a point where you hear your freaking lungs going. <laughs> you see frothy blood coming out of your wound. That means you need to take a little breather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so take a step back, take a little bit of downtime, slow down. Uh, next one. Tracers work both ways. And that's a good one because it's it's very similar to that uh, when we when we what was that first one that we went over, you know where it was like you're gonna get if they're oh in you're range. If they're in range you're oh, in yeah, range. Yeah, if, okay. This is a similar one. Tracers work both ways. Also, this means when you to me this is talking about. And I talk about this in leadership strategy and tactics. Giving away your position. Every yeah, combat fire, giving away your position. Yep. Yeah, still letting you, yourself in a window. Yep. When you decide during the meeting to stand up and say, this is what I think, all of a sudden everyone knows where you stand. Mm -hmm. And now they're formulating arguments against you. And by the way, they don't think you're on, you know, if JP, if JP's saying we should go north and I'm saying we should go south and, and instead of me listening to JP and saying, hey, well, why do you think we should go from the north? And he says, well, we got this, this, and this. Instead of, if you say, I think we should go from the north and I, I say, well, I actually think we should go from the south. All of a sudden we're arguing with each other. All of a sudden you're not listening to me. So what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use my tracers where you can see exactly where I am. And I'm not trying to be manipulative. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep my mind open and I'm trying to keep your mind open. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. The minute I let loose with some tracers and you can see exactly where I am, all of a sudden you're gonna aim your tracers right back at me. We're in a gunfight now. Yeah. But if I don't shoot and I just say, hey, JP, why do you think it would be better to attack from that position? Your mind is not shut down. My mind is not shut down. We can have a conversation. We can actually come to the best solution. So try not to give away your position, people. <sighs> Number 40. If at first you don't succeed, call in an airstrike. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what I like about this one. Again, these are great because they have these little tongue-in-cheek kind of humorous and there's some element of truth in it, but if you're trying to do something and it is not worth working, try a different approach. This is something that, this is a scenario that you and I ran so many times. We were running uh, urban training. So we got our SEAL platoons out running around in an urban environment. And we would set up a building that was going to be impossible for the SEALs to be able to take down this building. It was gonna be impossible. SEALs can do anything. No, they can't. No, you put a, five barricaded shooters in a building with booby traps, they're not gonna be able to take it down. Everyone, if the, the more they stay there, the more people are gonna die and eventually, if they keep stay there and continue to try and take the building, everyone will be dead. And we would see whole platoons get wiped out by two or three barricaded shooters. Why? Because if at first you don't succeed and you run into some real resistance, maybe you should try something else like backing out of the building and calling in an airstrike. So check your perspective. If you're trying something and it's not working, what are some other options? You know, 
<clears throat> you weren't at this FTX. It was Dave and I were doing it with one of our clients. And we ran a scenario similar to this. You know, we call it the murder bridge. Very similar mm-hmm. to a barricaded shooter scenario. Yep. And we get done with it and we, we debrief. We stop the run out in the field. We debrief it right there so they can see it. Mm-hmm. Like we try to do that as much as we can on these field training exercises. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if we can stop while we're out there to talk through so you can yep. see the environment, you can feel it, 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 they really tie it in. And this point. When you mandate that they stop and they are forced to take their head off of their gun mm-hmm. and look around and detach and see what happened, it's a very good learning moment. It is moment. so yep. powerful. <laughs> yep. It is so powerful because we stopped. I mean, they were they were in it. They're, yeah. I mean, they're shooting their laser taggers. They're just in it. They're in it. They're in it. We stop it. They pull back. And we hadn't even started the debrief. And this one guy goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> he goes, that's a channelized area. I'm like, yeah. I was like, were you in the military? He goes, no, but I know enough to know that's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad situation. <laughs> so we're kind of laughing. We're going through some like different stuff. Um, and then like I'm like sitting there like listening to all the people going, Oh, I can hear that. I can see that. Like they're they're literally seeing everything and we're not even giving them anything. And then we explain to them like the situation. We're like, hey, this is what we have here. This is what's going on. And this one girl goes, I have an example from from work mm-hmm. that this is exactly what we're doing. And Dave and I were like, okay, what's up? And she's like, we were coding something. Mm-hmm. We were working on this code problem and we couldn't figure it out. And we kept working on it. And she goes, you know, we just kept working on it. We kept throwing more people, more resources. We kept working on it. They were working on this one coding problem for seven months straight until somebody finally came in and said, hey, we don't need to be working on that anymore. It was just absolutely bizarre. We're sitting there like, dang, she goes, this is exactly what she's like. We're in we're in murder bridges every single day. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. So get a different perspective. Don't code. Don't try and fix one small problem coding for seven months. I might push that up the chain of command and say you've hit a a, a roadblock that you can't get around. What are some other options here? <sighs> Number forty one. Make it tough enough for the enemy to get out to get in and you won't be able to get out. I'll say it again, make it tough enough for the enemy to get in and you won't be able to get out. The reason this is in this little grouping is because when you dig in and you make your, you, you get defensive in your position, you're not gonna be able to move anymore. The minute I say, it's JP, you don't know why, you don't understand, my plan's better than yours, you, your plan's stupid. The minute I say that, I just put myself in a position where I can't change my mind. Well, I can if I can, go from that extreme ego issue to being like, hold on, JP, you know what? This is my ego talking right now. I actually am an idiot. Explain your plan to me, I think it's better. But most people don't get to do that. Most people, they dig in to a point where they can't move anymore. Don't paint yourself into a corner. And don't paint your team into a corner, right? Don't put so many parameters on them that they can't make adjustments. Doesn't make sense, so. Be careful that uh, if you are short of any of everything but the enemy, you are in a combat zone. Again, a little dark humor with that one. Here's one: <clears throat> never forget that your weapon is made by the lowest bidder. Oh yeah. And again, that of course is like classic tongue-in-cheek yeah. situation. <sighs> but here's the thing. 
no matter what you're doing, you're not, you're gonna, your, your equipment, your resources are going to be wanting. No matter where you are, you're gonna want better resources. You're gonna want more people, you're gonna want more money, you're gonna want better gadgets, you're gonna want better advertising um, supplies, you're gonna want better marketing materials. No matter what you're doing, you're gonna, you're gonna have to work with what you got. Yeah. Even when it's made by the lowest bidder. And the number of times that J.P. Donnell turned to me and said, hey, Jocko, I'm doing the best I can, but this weapon system is made by the lowest bidder is zero, <laughs> right? You don't blame your weapon, no. and this is set up to be an excuse, and what I'm telling you is that's, that's everyone. That's every company. It doesn't matter. You go to any company in the world, and there's like someone in one department who's going, hey, I need more budget here. I need to hire more people. I need more resources for this. Every company, Apple, Google, Facebook, doesn't matter. Tesla, SpaceX, there's someone in a department going, I need more resources. Yep. So your weapon is made by the lowest bidder. We get it. And guess what JP did with that weapon? Dialed that thing in and made it work. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wish it would have been more. Yeah, that's like the we've talked about this multiple times. I mean, you can make excuses or you can make things happen. You cannot do both. So, I mean, and it, you look at that also, like again, like the whole tongue and cheek thing. But even the lowest bidders, they're still damn good. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that we had access. Now, some of the stuff I get it, but the, the <laughs> principle of what you're saying is like, hey, you work with what you have. Mm-hmm. Stop making excuses. Go out there and like if you go out there and actually work and take action, then you're actually going to get some stuff taken care of. Hundred percent. That's it. I hate the victim mentality because I played that. I played that victim mentality. I mean, we've talked about on the Mm -hmm. other podcast Mm -hmm. when I got out and I sabotaged everything in my life, and I, I just because I did it and I saw what happened, and I'm so thankful from the grace of God that I was able to actually read extreme ownership, take ownership of my life, get my marriage back, get my family back. Like it could have been a completely different picture. I don't think I'd be sitting here or I would be one of those numbers in your phone where you wouldn't be able to call if I wouldn't have taken control over my life again. And I hate the victim mentality because it ruins everything. And that's from the devil, man. He wants to destroy everything in our lives. Yeah. If we had if we had the opportunity to have like the alternate universe you and we got to like snap our fingers and see you know you snapped yourself out and got control and took ownership of your life like a hundred percent it's really sad i mean if you play out the hey i'm going to keep blaming other people i'm not going to take ownership i'm going to continue to be a victim of what's going on that's a that's a and what sucks is you and I know people like this. Yeah, I mean it's terrible, um, and that's what's that's a problem that's plaguing. Well, it's plaguing the veteran community in many ways. Yeah, you know because because people just oh you know it's it's this it's that instead of saying okay it's me. Here's what I need to do to fix it. So that alternate universe, we should actually we should actually do a drill of that. Hmm. Like like at some point we should sit down and be like all right where, let's see where you were at. And let's paint the picture of where where you end up. Well, the scary thing is, like, how many years down the road are we planning my funeral? Because that's what it would have been. Yep. 
No, I know. We take right. it to the we take it to the end. Yeah. We take it to the end. We take it to the uh, you know, drunk driving vehicle wrapped around a car or the, you know, drink yourself to death or whatever whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But, you know, obviously for me, I think alcohol is a huge one. That's why I immediately went to like alcohol related deaths. Yeah. But we know that it's a that once you go on that downward spiral, that that road is not long. Yeah, I I mean, and I know a handful of people and we know that have you know, taking ownership and gotten themselves into rehab, man. And people that go to rehab for drinking, I have so much respect for them because, dude, alcohol is as bad of a drug as all the other ones out 100%. there. I mean, if not worse than some of them. Yeah, actually, alcohol is worse than a lot of them. Alcohol is one of the few drugs, I think it's only one other drug that you can't quit cold turkey without medical supervision. So when you, when someone's a true alcoholic, if they stop drinking they cold turkey, themselves. they can die. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, alcohol is very, very destructive. Um, and that's one component of, it's probably the most exacerbating component. Like, you know, Echo, one of the earliest podcasts we did, you said, hey, working out and exercise is something that will truly help every single aspect of your life. It's one of the most beneficial things you can do as a human, it'll help your mindset, it'll help your mind actually, it'll help your health and fitness, it'll help your outlook, it'll help your energy levels, it literally helps, and by the way, when you have higher energy levels, you do better at work, mm-hmm. you're cooler to be around. Oh, you have a little pent up aggression? Oh, but you work out now, when, you, when your wife does something that frustrates you, you're like, oh, I already worked out, I'm too tired to cause an argument, so I'm just gonna, like, it literally helps everything. You look at alcohol, it's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's like just exacerbating problems, making things worse, you're not sleeping as well, your mind's not functioning as well, you're irritated because you don't feel right, this is just bad. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so there you go. But it's legal, so it can't be that bad for yeah. you. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just, yeah. this shit makes me mad. And I, I'm not acting like I'm this saint that doesn't drink. I don't drink as much as I used to, and I actually haven't drank for a while. I, I just stopped again. I was like, nope, not mm-hmm. going to, you know, because I saw like what it could open up again, and I'm like, no, not gonna happen, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had some people close to me that I love that decided like, hey, you know what, I'm done, you know, like I need to go to rehab, and like that was impressive, mm-hmm. like to completely take ownership and recognize, hey, you know what. Like if I keep doing this, like everything's gonna fall apart. Like yep. I can't make, you can't make these decisions if you're not of a sober mind. Yeah. You know, and that's biblical. You know, mm-hmm. I know. I mean, and that's not not where we're going. But like how you know you you have to have that you know just that clarification, that clarity. And if you're drinking, you're not gonna have that. You're not gonna have it. And you know, and it's just it's cool when you see people that actually decide, hey, you know, what? I'm not gonna drink anymore. Like how much better the lives get, like it's that alone should like be enough for people to be like, you know, I don't want to drink anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, I, I get, you know, so for me the slippery slope was like, oh, you know, I'll have some wine with my wife once in a while, and that's the only drinking I was doing, and then it became, oh, you know, we'll do this and this, and then you know, I was at a common a mutual friends of ours like was retiring and. Man, you were there, and I was just—I got hammered because I was with a bunch of team guys. No, I, I you know what I mean. I, I did like it actually was something I didn't want to talk about because it's embarrassing. But we're there, so I opened up the door. Oh wow, JP's showing way too much, maybe. But um, man, I got hammered that night, yeah, you and did. you were there. 
And I was f- literally, and then it turned into like a bunch of drunk team guys, and we started fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like of any ill no. will, but it, we were literally fighting in a bar at a nice hotel, yeah, yeah. making a lot of people nervous around us because now it's <laughs> drunk team guys literally fighting each other. Yeah. And y- you didn't care because if you would have, you would have said something. Well, I was doing but a little. You, I was doing a little big John McCarthy. I was doing a little refereeing, yes. making sure things, in, you know, <laughs> like making sure things were good. Making sure, look at the look at the bouncers or whatever. Like, are we good? Are we okay? You okay with this? <laughs> well, I'm, I got it. You know, but just making sure you're okay. Like, give me another. Get, this round's almost over. Let, <laughs> just, let them finish this round. <laughs> and it was like after that, I was like, man. And I think it was the fact that you didn't say anything to me that bothered me the most. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Why is that? Because I knew I did. The, I, w- I shouldn't have been that drunk. Oh, okay. Why? Wh- why should I be so hammered <laughs> in front of you, my wife, friends? Uh-huh. Like, is there ever an actual need for me to be that hammered? If there is, it's your friend's retirement. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm, you know, I support your, I support your statements. Okay. Uh, yes. Probably. That, and let me, let me, let me, let me say this. Probably the reason I didn't even think to say anything is I'm like, hey man, one of our friends just did whatever it was, 24 years yeah. or whatever in the teams. They're retiring. You flew out. Mm-hmm. This is one of our brothers from Task Unit Bruiser. Yeah. A like, this is a monumentous, mon- a, a monumental moment mm-hmm. in time. And I was like, dude. By all means, I didn't even think twice about it, so. Yes, and I agree with you. The opposite spectrum of that is you are also there and you're not drinking. You didn't need to be getting drunk. You you weren't getting hammered and you had as much fun. I might've had a little more fun. (laughs) I don't know. You might've might've woken up with more of a bruise on your elbow or whatever it was. Yeah, there's a lot of bruises (laughs) on all of us. The next day the group text between us and they're like the three guys that- someone smacked their head. Like I, hard. No, he did. Like the kind of thing that you're like, oh, we yeah, might need I was to go like, to the hospital. <laughs> What's the closest hospital smack on the head? Yeah, yeah. he talked about that the next day. Okay, the other dude was like, bro, my whole back's bruised up, you <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> like it was just, I mean, it was funny. Yeah. I, I love that <laughs> stuff. But here's the deal the drinking wasn't necessary to have yeah. that fun. It yeah. wasn't necessary. And, you know, I just, I don't even know what started us down this rabbit hole of drinking, but, you know, for me, it was something like recently where I was just like, you know, I saw enough people in my life that I really cared about, that I loved, that I, I, I look up to, that were like, I don't drink anymore, I don't drink anymore, I don't drink anymore, and I'm like, I don't need to drink mm-hmm. anymore. So, I haven't, yeah. it's been a while. And my birthday is on St. Patrick's Day. Yes, yeah. and your name is Jeremiah Donnell. Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah Patrick. Patrick. Jeremiah Donnell. Patrick Donnell. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and guess who will not be drinking on St. Patrick's Day this year? Dang. I won't. There's no why. Because you know what? The next morning, you know, it's more important than me drinking a bunch of Jameson and ginger ales. Or, well, first of all, I'm not even getting home until close to midnight. So, mm-hmm. what am I going to get hammered on an airplane by myself? That's, you got a problem if that's what you're doing. <laughs> you know? So, I'm not going to drink. Because, yeah. one, yeah. we don't drink on the road. Yeah. We don't drink when we're traveling on the road. When I get home, it's going to be close to midnight. And you know what's more important than me drinking some Irish whiskey on my birthday is waking up early to take my kids on that trip. For sure. You know, and that's. Yeah. And yeah. being engaged with your kids instead of being freaking hungover and catching a, you know, when you're in the car or in the plane, like, oh, I'm just going to go to sleep instead of being mm-hmm. like, hey, let's whatever. Let's play some game. Yep. Road trip game. Yeah, whatever. There so, you go. Cool. 
the only thing more accurate than incoming enemy fire is incoming friendly fire. Uh, really scary thing hmm. on the battlefield. Really scary thing. You know, definitely uh, anyone in task unit bruiser would have rather been lit up by the enemy than lit up by friendly. And mm-hmm. ev- just about everyone did get lit up by friendly at some point. Uh, obviously, these stories are in extreme ownership. Um, but what what's interesting about this one, and the reason I thought about it from like a business perspective and a and a personal perspective is the outsiders aren't going to hurt you as bad as the insiders can. The the people around you that if they decide they're going to throw shots or they're going to they're going to do something nefarious to you, they can hurt you worse than the enemy can. Than someone that's outside the, you know, someone inside your company can hurt you worse than somebody outside your company. Someone inside your family can hurt you worse than someone outside your family. So friendly fire is more accurate and more devastating than unfriendly fire. And this is why we talk about relationships. Because when you have relationships with people, then you then your chances of having friendly fire is going to go down. Can it happen? Yes, it can happen. You can have people that you have good relationships with that choose to do things that are gonna be that are gonna that are gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. It can happen. You can you can actually there's some people that just that's what their nature is. That's what their nature is. And you do your best and they're still gonna they're still gonna take their shots. And I mean obviously once somebody has, you know, done the friendly fire thing and they've they've tried to harm you from inside the inner circle, you know, they're obviously not gonna be in there anymore. And that's the way it goes. But that's why the relationship thing is so important. That's why you know, making sure you're keeping those lines of communications open is important to make sure if someone's starting to feel frustrated, you start they think they're starting to head towards a friendly fire situation, you understand where they're coming from. Because there's nothing worse than your your friends, your family, your coworkers attacking you. Nothing worse than that. Yeah. Um, I'm in a group text with uh, three other of my buddies. We started the Jesus and Jiu-Jitsu thing. Mm-hmm. Not thing, it's a ministry, but we started that group. And so the three of us are in a group text and we're just talking about a bunch of different random stuff. And I had sent like, I saw some stuff, I screen captured it and I sent it to the guys and I was like, hey, this is not to you, this is for me. And it was like accountability. And um, and my buddy Steven comes back and he's just like, he's like this it, Cliff Notes version of what he was saying. He's like, man, he's, he goes, think about what, what we do f- to our kids when we don't show them how to love their mom as the way Christ wants us to. And it was just this like gut punch. It's like, man, when your kids are in the room or even in the house, they may not fully hear what's going on, but they know what's going on. And if you're not showing your significant other, like if you're not loving them the way like Christ tells us and commands us to love our spouses, in front of your kids, you're showing them what they should do and mm-hmm. what they can do and what's okay f- what's to happen acceptable. to them, yep. right? And so me with my twin daughters, like, hey, like I'm showing them how to be treated and I'm showing Aiden how to treat a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that I fail daily. And trust me, I'm not trying to be up here and be like, hey man, we got this work. I, I fail at this. But it was just this reminder of like, 
gosh, man, like it's so easy for me to have friendly fire with my wife, with Aiden, with the kids, with my friends, because it's just, it's easy Mm -hmm. and it's so dangerous because you're actually causing a lot more damage to the people that are closer to you. It's just, man, it's a, it's it's kind of a sickening thing when you really think about that. You know what's crazy is like, you know, you talk about having friendly fire with your wife, like, or treating your wife in a way that you're that you know your kids would 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 see in a negative light. Imagine someone else treating your wife like that. Yes, I know, <laughs> you know. I know. It's like, like you know, the time that you snap at your son and you're like, "Dude," and and all of a sudden you're like, "If I, if another adult did like, it to my kid, yeah, I would be." So that's a good thing to think about. Now, listen, you you have certain privilege as a as a parent that sometimes you got to tighten some shit up. But yeah, so that's 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 another way of thinking about <laughs> it know, as well. Yeah, I I knew I messed up one time when Amanda goes, "Hey, if someone talked to me." the way that you just talked to me. You would beat the and, shit out of and her. <laughs> and she goes, pre-echelon front JP, what would happen? She goes, you'd be in jail for murder. She goes, you would murder? Like, no question. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying not to laugh like you're laughing because I'm like, I'm noticing, I'm like, you're right. And she goes, why? I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry. I had literally nothing to say the other time. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you're so good with your words that it can also be a really bad thing as well. And she goes, just, I know this is something we need to work through. And, and you know, again, and she was like, hey, I also know I provoke it in you sometimes. And she goes, and I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. She goes, if you can work on it, I can work on it. Like, can we please work on it? And it was like one of those things, but it was the way she said that. She goes, if someone talked to me like you just did, and this was pre-Echelon Front JP, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that happened to me with my wife when I went when I went to college, and so I'd been in the SEAL teams my whole adult life. Yeah, and uh, then I finally go to college, and now I'm not around any SEALs. Oh, and so yeah. what do you do when you're in a platoon? I was in a platoon my whole life, so now all of a sudden, when you're in a platoon, you're just every every weakness you see, you're going to attack, you're going to make fun of everyone, you know, you're taking digs at everything, anything mistake that someone made, you're going to hammer them, and so you know that since I didn't have that outlet anymore, and I thought that's the just the way, that was just the way you did things, you know, I'd come home and be like, you know, yeah. hey darling, <laughs> can you give me two gallons of water to drink as I eat this dry chicken that you made me? <laughs> so this went on for a little while, I didn't even notice it. And then finally one day she goes, she goes, hey, I'm not a team guy. And I, I immediately, I was like, I was like, oh damn. I was like, you're, I was like, hey, got it. And it, I was like, check, and that was it. I realized she's not a team guy. She doesn't. You don't. You don't sit there and you know throw jabs at your wife. Mm-hmm. She doesn't think it's funny. She doesn't think it's funny, and you can't let that happen. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, friendly. This is connected one. Friendly fire ain't. Ain't nothing friendly about friendly fire. And here's the last one. Important one. Cavalry does not always come to the rescue which is very true. You can't be relying on the cavalry to show up and save you. You can't be relying on next quarter, that next quarter you're gonna get the funding that you need at your company. Hmm. You, you can't rely on your wife adapting her personality to be able to take jabs better 
verbal jabs better. You can't count on that. It's not going to happen. It, it, would it be nice? Sure, it'd be nice, but you can't count on it. You're the one that has to make adjustments. The cavalry's not coming. You got to make things happen. You got to own it. No one is coming. It's all on you. So, there you go. Those are some uh, lessons from Murphy's Law. And, you know, I think, I think what these really boil down to is no matter what you're doing, no matter what arena you're in, no matter what you're trying to plan or what you're trying to execute, make sure you always account for old Captain Murphy mm-hmm. and Murphy's Laws because they're there. That's where I'm at. Um, speaking of which, yeah. speaking of worst case scenarios, so speaking of doing battle, speaking of trying to execute, it's true. we got to be ready. Yeah. Echo Charles. I'm going to rewind a little bit. But oh, so the, we got questions, <laughs> comments from the Echo Charlie. Boha. Yeah. Uh, the friendly fire one, more accurate, mm-hmm. uh, is the most accurate. Yep. That one's actually like a, a, a big thing, obviously. Right? It's a big thing. Oh, I'm gonna introduce you to my world yet again. So you ever watched you ever, you ever watched Commando? Yes, with Arnold. I have yes, not. sir. So that's a that's. I know it's crazy. I, that movie seems so dumb to me that I've never watched it. Yeah, you know that's why it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 one of the many reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I'm not one of those people. So well, actually, you kind of are. Because here, let me tell you this. So <laughs> I watched Commando, and I think many. I'm not one of those people that. Finds real dumb things real funny, okay, or whatever, or okay. real okay. interesting. It's okay. dumb that's, that's now mm-hmm. when we look at the quality of movies, but back when it came out, it was awesome. Hey, with all due respect to both of you, what, what year did it come out? Eighty-four. Uh, oh damn! Actually, that's my guess. I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm, no, I was <laughs> born in eighty-three. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it came out while I was already in the in the navy. It might have. Well, you figure Rambo was 85, part two, so oh, okay. Commando so was about Commando. the same no, this time. this was in the 90s, man. No, 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 no. Commando was not 90s somewhere. I think it was 80, <laughs> like, either, either way, here's why matter. you're wrong. Bro, I watched I it a... with my son twice, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. and both times he was like, oh, that's Jocko. So you are that guy, <laughs> by the way. That's, that's A. <laughs> B, it's, I think uh, these things are like in a sensationalized ideal. Same thing as Rambo, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, like this guy's unbeatable, all that stuff. Okay, so we've come to accept that. That's why we like it. I think even if you watched it, if you could suspend some of the, what do you call it, disbelief, inaccuracies, all this stuff. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Again, I'm just diving into something. Predator is a known movie to me, and it's a good movie, right? Yeah. Correct. Are those on the same level? No. no, no, no. They're a different kind of movie. Okay. Different type. So yeah. I'm just making sure that I wasn't mi- like Predator is kind of seen as like, okay, this is kind of a classic yeah. sort of, you know, that's a Rambo type movie like Predator, Rambo. Those are those are a l- level of acceptable cool movie. Am I? You're no, 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 no yeah. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Predator with part to me is like, like, okay, Red Dawn is over here with Predator. Like these are all time kind of classics. I think so, yeah. Not it ain't no apocalypse now. It's not full metal. Jet. Those are the next level. Yeah, right. Okay. Those are like tier one, right? Yeah. Then you got like the tier two is maybe these are even like tier three. But these movies that you're talking about over here, yeah. Commando. Yes, sir. That's not one of my movies. I need that's to watch it again. I, I, maybe it's just because I, dude, when my dad allowed my brother Corey and I to watch Commando you with were him. Fired up. We used to play Navy SEALs, and now like Army Commandos and Army Rangers, like we used to play all these things. So mm-hmm. maybe that's like the big thing that I remember. I, 
I mean, I would think you would dig commando. I mean, he did something that you think that you can actually do as if an airplane is going down, you can like guide yourself to a certain area. I mean, bro, on takeoff, on on, like takeoff, like he finds his way, kind of uh makes his way down to the bottom of the airplane. And as the landing gear is coming up, he's there and he jumps off into water and makes it happen. Starts his start watch and knows that he has a certain number of times. Viable realism. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Jumping out of an airplane into a water field, landing while doing your stopwatch, knowing that the time you have a countdown Mm -hmm. before they find the guy that you killed on the airplane. I mean, it's a good plot. I mean, yeah, very. Okay. All right, so we ruined yeah. some of it just now, but yeah, spoiler a little bit. Okay, yeah. No, so no worries. You're watching Commando, Commando with your boy. Yeah, from well, many times. Okay, many times. But I'm saying the friendly fire is the most uh, what do you call accurate? accurate? Yeah, because that's really what that movie was about. There's friendly fire yeah. in there. So Bennett, right? Bennett, yeah. the the main is bad guy. Bennett Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, that's John Matrix. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you see the yeah. correlation, yeah, right? We John Boy, that John Boy Matrix. So I think his middle name started with a G too. By the way, okay. I'll side note. But either way, Bennett, the main bad guy, was a former team member of John Matrix. Uh huh. See what I'm saying? And at one point, he said, "Yep." When he kind of thought he had the had the advantage, he was like, "You're training my tricks." Mm. See what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. There I'm you just go. saying it's a thing. It's an what do you call it? A phenomenon. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, so the way the way your son thought that I was Commando, yes. uh, John Matrix. John Matrix, yeah. I got to tell a funny story about his son. So, uh, his son, you guys were over at my house, mm-hmm. and my wife was there, and my wife has a broom <laughs> at her house that looks like a witch's broom, <laughs> but it's what the one that she actually uses to like sweep up. And this is this is maybe like a year and a half ago. So your son was a little bit younger, mm-hmm. but I looked at him just deadpan. I was like, she's a witch. <laughs> And he, he I, like I saw immediately, like his eyes got a little bit big. First of all, because he doesn't know me. So yeah. when I'm just being serious, I'm like, she's a witch. This is like her her broom. Yeah. He won. Tell me, he, did he 100% believe? Yes, he, he did. 100% he believed did. that she was a witch. Yeah. And she was like, no. She's like, oh, I'm not a witch. And I was like, they always say that. <laughs> they never tell you. And he 100% believed that she was a yeah. witch. And that well, it was her witch's broom. So oh yeah, that's that, that. talk her down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was the kind of like the my wife has gotten better about taking jokes as you know we've been yeah. married for longer. But it was funny because I I see what <laughs> I saw what you were doing, and that's how this motherfucker is. <laughs> so the more that his wife would say like, "No, I'm not," he would just use that to prove his point <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah. You know how like he'll do that to you. Oh, yes. Yeah. So even which which actually brings me to my second point, where you know how you were like uh, about drinking and, and getting hammered or whatever, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, he didn't say anything that that kind of bothered me more." <laughs> yeah. Here because John, it's, I don't know if he did it at that time, but he'll do that shit on purpose. He wants to like haunt you. That's why he's like haunting you. So he said he did do it on purpose. <laughs> he says he didn't really care, <laughs> but me knowing that I shouldn't have done it. It was what bothered me. And there's just times like I've told this to Jocko and Leif before. I'm like, hey, I would I just want you sometimes I just need you guys to be really direct with me. Like I'm good with that. I like no, that. But don't even say that because he knows that. So he'll I like know that he knows it. that. Like and that's why I'm saying that. Oh, yeah. I'm good with that. Oh, yeah. I already know what he could use against me, and I'm just, fine with that. It's haunting, man. You gotta watch out. Um but oh, yeah, so these are go. these are notes, you know, in the spirit of me understanding all mm-hmm. these things, you know, things you gotta look out for. Obviously, Bro, I've wanted you know, to do Murphy's Law for so lo- the Murphy's Laws of Combat. I've been wanting to do these for so long. I was yeah. stoked when you told yeah, me. Yeah, I was it. like, oh god, now I can finally do it. And, you know, I was like, man, me and JP are always talking about the heaviest. I went, I was like going through our podcasts, and I was like, dude, we've done like the heaviest this topics. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, man, we get to get in there and like talk about some stuff that's a little bit more educational. Yeah. 
than diving into the darkness. So does this mean I get to change my muster talk? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, whatever you want at the muster, man. I can talk about whatever I want. You guys would be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll change it up, and then right before you, be like, hey, actually, I think you need to uh, actually just do this other. Thing. Actually, I'm going to do this. Okay, cool. Roger that. <laughs> uh, what did you have? More spirit of knowledge yeah. that you wanted? Yeah. Okay. What so is it? drinking is kind of like bragging. Remember, we we're talking about bragging, right? The other yeah. day. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're not drinking. How about that? We're well, not just drinking. To, just to clue JP in, we were on a podcast the other day, and we were talking and talking about bragging and he's like is there ever a time when it's when it's kind of okay to brag or even good to brag and I'm like listen I'm not gonna speak in absolutes here but off the top of my head in the next 30 seconds or in the last 30 seconds I have not been able to think of a moment where it's like yep the right thing to do right now is to brag that's gonna make things better so maybe you can think of one and I even went to the point I stretched and said like well there's times where it's good to brag about your team but you're still not bragging about yourself you're bragging about your team. That's there's times where yes, that's going to happen. That's going to be good. You know, the boss doesn't quite see the the, the work that they've done. It's like, hey, boss, I want to let you know that. You yeah. know, so bragging about your team. Yep. Trying to find a time where it's like, hey, the move, the good move to make, is to brag about yourself. I couldn't think of any situations. So, yeah, that was that was essentially it. And yep. really, man, I thought about it a little bit more later, where I'm like, hey, wait, under these circumstances, and then, but even no matter the circumstances, if you mm-hmm. introduce the two options of brag, no brag, bro, no brag all day, no pretty all much, day. pretty yep. much across the board, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would be telling somebody that you quit drinking. Do you think that's bragging though? Well, it depends on your intention. So oh, I agree. Yeah. So if you're just like stating the fact because of, you know, and it's relevant, then yeah, a lot most of the time, but yeah, it's going to depend on the intention. Well, I, uh, I'm. I figured that's where we go with that. I was curious because my, uh, my buddy Steven, he, his church just did this fast. He did a 40-day fast of no, he didn't eat any food like where he had to chew. So he could do liquid. So mm-hmm. no chewing of food for 40 days. That's pretty crazy. Who's he allowed to have more? Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, he went through a lot No, no, no. He went through a lot of milk. Now it's a milk. But that was the thing. But, yep. you know, we say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But not being able to chew on a steak in 40 days, Jocko. Yeah, like time. not being able to do anything. So he Four did days. that. <laughs> yeah. But his thing was he also didn't tell people. Because okay. what you don't want to be doing, it's like, like flexing. Yeah, flexing, and that was like, you know, like, like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm yep, fasting, I like that. I'm I like fasting, that I'm holier than now. That's what the Pharisees did back yep. in the day. Like, hey, let it be known, we are fasting for spirit. You know, it's like yep. you're taken away from the purpose of that fast, and that was Stephen's. Or I thought was cool. It was like he would, he wasn't telling people. It was just like he's doing his own thing. Yep. And we went to a group dinner, and you know, it was just like. He's, like, he's like, you got any milk? <laughs> yeah. But he like he told like he took uh, a mocha, the RGT guys, that, yeah, we were there because they didn't know he was fasting. He's like, hey, I just man, I don't want, I don't want to bring it up, but I also don't want to be weird, let him be the only person that doesn't eat. He goes, hey, I'm you know I'm on a fast with my church. It's a forty day fast. I, I appreciate being here at dinner, but you know I'm just liquid only. And both the guys were like, man, that's really cool. That's awesome. So it was his intent. He was yeah. making sure. And I was just curious right. though the whole like I think it's. I think it's powerful. It can be powerful. Like when my brother decided to quit drinking, that's, you know, when he was, you know, it can be powerful to tell people that you're not drinking anymore because now it might trigger for somebody else of like, you know what? I don't want to drink anymore. I don't need to drink anymore. But if you're just like, Hey, Oh, you're getting hammered. Yeah. I quit drinking. I'm better than you. Then you know what this all boils down to echo Charles. This all boils down to another topic we just talked about. What is the intent of you saying this? Yeah. If the yep. intent of you saying this is truly like, hey, I think it really might help JP if I'm like, hey, listen, man, 
you know what? I quit drinking. And my true intent is like, that's another person in JP's life that he looks at and goes, damn, you know, now Jocko's not drinking. That makes sense. There's a lot of people. Maybe this is something I should do. If my intent is to go, hey, JP, I actually quit drinking. And... I'm better than you. You know what I mean? Yeah, if that's yeah. where you're at, yeah. then then you're kind of bragging and you're kind of a loser. I, okay. I made a comment to a buddy and my tent was like, he was like sending me these videos on Instagram and I was like, hey, just be careful watching those videos because it opens up doors to stuff that event you're desensitizing yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's like porn, man. I'm like, I stopped watching porn and it wasn't for me like, because it's literally oh like it's been a year february right i haven't looked at porn have had zero desires like you know because i went to a men's retreat and i realized like i, t- I talked to you about this and i was just like i don't want, that's toxic it's it's literally killing your brain watching porn like it's it's horrible for you and uh, you know it's been a year i've had zero desires you know it, which is cool and I was explaining it to this guy. I'm like, yeah, hey, man, I, I stopped watching porn because, you know, and I explained the reasons why. And he's like, you know what? You're the third person that has said recently that they stopped watching porn. He goes, you're one of the guys I look up to. He goes, I don't need to be doing that anymore. And yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it to brag, but it was like, reflexing. hey, man, you should should be careful what you're watching, man, because you're just desensitizing your brain. And, you, I mean, there's a reason why, like, things like, that you look at, like it should bother you. Mm-hmm. But if you keep looking at them, eventually they won't bother you. Yeah. And that's a that's not a good place to be at. So check, check. So yes, that does determine whether you're bragging or not. Mm-hmm. Your intentions. But so bragging is kind of like drinking in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, look, we're not bragging. Straight up, we're not bragging. But if you get caught slipping bragging, at least do it about something good, which we said, because what I brought up was like, what if you donate like to a school or something like that? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, if you get caught up slipping, and you start bragging, at least make it a good cause. You see what I'm saying? Like one of Brag your friends retired after 24 years in the day. Exactly right. I mean, okay. But, so but that's what I'm saying. Some slack. If you're gonna bra- look, if you're gonna brag, if you're gonna drink, and it's for a good cause, hey, we'll cut you some slack. See what I'm saying? No good cause. I'll to tell drink, you though, bro. man. Yeah, man. I, like I said. Oh, uh, don't I get, get it wrong. You're saying. Hey, but, hey, look. Ver- drink. No drink. No drink all day. I understand I what it. you're saying. I get yes. it. Yeah. But I'm saying I'm drawing the parallels between bragging and drinking. Yeah. Same deal, right? Here's the thing, man. And I actually had a couple people. At some point, somebody asked me something about alcohol. Uh, I forget it was who it was. Underground. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe it was the underground. But basically, I said, "Hey, man, there's just like I just can't get behind it at all. I'm just, I'm just not. It's just not happening. It's just not good. There's nothing good that comes out of it." And I had so many people say, "Thank you for saying that." And it's a mindset shift because it's so easy to go. Well, you know. You know, Jocko said there is a time and a place for it. And guess when that time and place is? Well, it's, you know, Friday night, you know, for sure. Actually, Saturday night's kind of slipped in there, too. And by the way, Sunday can be pretty cool. You know, you got the ball game on. And then, you know, Monday after work, you kind of want to decompress. And next thing you know, it's Tuesday. And Tuesday's leading into hump day, Wednesday. And so you kind of got to get over the hump to the hump. So that's Tuesday, (laughs) Wednesday. Next thing you know, you're just drinking. And you're not getting anything beneficial out of it. It's just not helping you. Mm-hmm. And there's a billion other things that you can do that are gonna that are gonna move you in a positive direction. So I can't even uh, can't even get behind it at all. Don't get behind it. I'm just not behind it. Man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Agree. Uh, okay. So what you can't get behind is exercising. So let's you know go what? Back if I'm gonna to be drinking, let me tell you something. You know what I'm drinking? 
Milk. I'm drinking a milk. Wait, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. I'm drinking a milk. But girl. you mentioned the exercise, right? Where it improves every every part of your uh, life. So we we listen to Peter Atia. Yep. We're familiar. Yeah, we are. See what I'm saying. So re- there's one that's po- a popular one mm-hmm. where actually I'd want even when he's when I see it again, I'll just watch it again just for the message. Where he was saying about like if even if you smoke and do all this other stuff, it like reduces your uh, what do you call oh, yeah. mortality, right? Yeah. Like by a lot. But yeah. if you exercise and get to this certain level of fitness, it reduces mortality like by a certain like exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Then the detriment would be for the drinking and the smoking. What What's even more important? He's like exercise is hands down the best medication for all cause mortality. Like the way he says it yeah. in his you know in his Peter T way. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you get done with that, you're like, if I don't exercise, I'm an actual <laughs> yeah. idiot. Choosing yeah. to be. I, choosing. Yeah, I'm, I'm choosing yeah. to be an actual yeah. freaking idiot. If yeah. I don't exercise, I'm choosing to be an actual freaking idiot. Yeah. All cause mortality. Yeah, no, like, man. that's a good yeah, one, man. So good. <laughs> Bring that, put that in, put that into the mix, right? All, yeah, we'll get all to cause. Peter Atia. We'll talk all cause mortality. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. you know who? Uh, he's got a new book coming out. I have it, by the way. What? Peter Atia's new yeah, book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he's gonna be coming back on the podcast to go through. It's yeah. it's seven hundred pages, some crazy amount what? of pages. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it took you like two and a half days because you know I haven't read it yet because <laughs> I, I I don't read books until they're gonna come on the podcast because otherwise that I gotta reread them anyways. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So yeah. all cause mortality yeah. exercise is the best thing you can get. You Next go. thing, diet. So yeah. we got to be good good fuel into our system. That means we're on Jocko Fuel, by the way. Jockofield.com. Go there, get some, get yourself some those Mulk RTDs. Yeah, that's gonna save you on all liquid fast. By the way, <laughs> the Mulk. He the, went through a lot of that and a lot of the greens. Dude, he must no, have been yeah. crushing that stuff. Yeah, the greens would be a huge one for that for sure. Yeah. If you're not eating any food, and the greens. What's crazy about the drink greens is they taste good. They, they taste, really they taste good, good with good. that monk fruit in there. Yeah. Ah, and they you don't have to you don't have to drink dirt. No. You can. No, you I mean, it's an option. <laughs> yeah. You know, like in buds, you put sand in your mouth, sand and seaweed chunks in your mouth. Cool. If you go to the store and buy the other brand of greens, you are also putting sand or dirt in your mouth. No need, though. Yeah. You can put something that tastes good in your mouth. You can have the after dinner port. <laughs> <laughs> the port. The port. Yeah. Look, we're not That's drinking it. alcohol, no. so we can't have port. But guess what? We can have greens. greens. It's the same thickness. Like it's the same consistency yeah. as, as port, and it's better. Tastes better, and yeah, it's good it's for you. For sure. and there's no hangover. No, it's actually not. good for you. Yeah. It's giving you three thousand seven hundred and fifty-eight different types of vegetables or whatever. Like it has got it all. <laughs> Do you drink your greens in the morning or in the evening? I drink them in the evening. In the evening, I sleep it's a lot like, better. It makes you sleep better, and it's like for me. Look, no matter what, I kind of want something sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet tooth weakness, maybe, no, maybe. No, no. I, That's but the greens are that thing where you're like, hmm, cool. Hmm. Just gonna have, just gonna have a nice little sweet something. Cleanse the palate for the evening, yeah. and sleep better. Aiden asked Amanda. He's like, hey, you think JP will let me start taking the the creatine from Jocko Fuel? Yeah. Go ahead. Affirmative. Oh yes. Okay. 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 I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. want to. You know, that's that's your territory. But I'm like, we're gonna have a conversation <laughs> afterwards because I think it's time. You don't think you don't it's have time. influence over that boy's <laughs> life? It's Come time, on Aiden. now. Get yeah. on that sea train. I mean, yeah, he's about to be 17, and his size and everything. I mean, it's you know, and he's yeah. lifting. He, yeah. I mean, next year he's 180. What he wrestle out this year? 182. No, he no. So he's 183 right now. Uh-huh. He was wrestling at 175. Oh yeah, next year he's gonna be a whole different two weight classes up. If he's on the sea train. 
and, and he's jacking steel. And and, yeah, I mean yeah. he's gonna be jack jacked. Yeah, I'm actually excited. Like I told him, I'm like, bro, if you just amp your aggression up, because he's not an aggressive kid. You you met him. He's yeah. just like literally the nicest kid alive. Yep. I'm like, hey, wrestling allows you to be aggressive. You can go yep. out there and be as violent and mean as you want, and you're not gonna get in trouble. Yep. You'll get rewarded. Yeah, you're actually gonna get rewarded. Yep. You'll get rewarded. And, you know, so I'm trying to like flip that switch, and he's getting it. But anyways, uh, so he was asking Amanda about the creatine. She's like, I think so. He's like, cool. He's like, I'm gonna start putting it with the greens. Yeah, and so that's exactly what I do. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's exactly that's what awesome. I do. Well, yeah. Once he listens to this and hears that, like, hundred percent, I can so tell him. Clear he'd be hot. Like, yeah. Okay. Cool. Then Jocker's like, hey, I, I mix creatine with my greens and drink it before sleep. Guess what? That kid <laughs> and every other eighteen year old, seventeen year old in the United States could be doing. Dude, hell yeah. Get good. Oh, what if, when you when you're that age, you can. Change the trajectory of your life so much mm-hmm. when you're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. So much you can aim it, and it's like the trajectory. What the trajectory that you that you get on mm-hmm. when you're 17 years old is so impactful, man. Yes, go Aiden, C train, greens, mulk, jack, deadlift, yeah, squats, pull ups. That's what we're doing. Aggression, it's gonna come. I'm gonna think through that one. I'm gonna think what we're gonna do. I'm thinking. I'm gonna think about that. Because, but here's the flip side. I say that, and like, the, you know, it's amazing. He'll be 17 in two weeks. He's never been in trouble. Mm-hmm. The only time he's been in trouble is he got nervous and he lied to Amanda. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a 16 year old, almost 17 year old. I'm sorry, we, <laughs> and I haven't ever like. Yep. He's never come home late. He's never been in a fight. Now, there's times he should have defended himself, and I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, if they do that to you again, you are cleared hot. Yep. We, like, we call that double leg ground and pound. That's what we yeah. call it. It's no big deal, <laughs> yeah. but you know, people should know. The, your other nickname at school should be, oh, that's double leg ground and pound. <laughs> 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 but you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I look at his phone, like yeah. there's nothing inappropriate, like nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I'm good with that, man. Yep. Like amazing, yep. amazing. Now the aggression will come, yep. and that's cool, yep. and it, it will. He'll learn a channel. Yeah. There's a, there's a channel that hasn't been uh, um, exposed yet. Yep. There's, a, there's, a, there's a path a little neuron mm-hmm. that hasn't connected yet. Yeah, that's the switch. And mm-hmm. once that connects, <laughs> unlocked. <laughs> Cora and Nola have that. Cora's had that for. I yeah. mean, good lord. I mean, we went to some like medieval times, mm. and <laughs> I have a video. I'll show you guys later. I posted the picture of it. She was so into it. She's like. Rip his head off! <laughs> like, like, what is that? But you know, David. There you go. So we're on Jocko Fuel. Yes. Jockofuel.com. Wawa Vitamin Shop. By the way, GNC. Did you know that? We're Me live. Did at I know that? Oh yeah. Shoot. We're live at GNC. Um, and we talked about GNC. You know, that's GNC. kind of a, to me. That's like one of those iconic. Oh yeah, it's a thing. Yes, yes. it is. It's a thing. Yeah. So you got that. You got the military commissary. You got a bunch of friends right now sending me pictures. <laughs> you know, they're in the commissary picking it up. Hannaford, Dash Stores in Maryland, Wake Forum, Shop Shopper, Shoprite, Circle K in Florida, H E B. Hey, everyone in Texas, thank you. H E B is like, what is this? So. Appreciate everyone going into H-E-B and, and grabbing. I know H-E-B, like Texas, H-E-B is, is uh, man, it is iconic in Texas. So appreciate that. It's available. We'll, I know it runs out. We'll send more. 
keep getting after. And same thing with Meyer up in the Midwest. Um, happy to be in there and happy that everyone's in there getting after it. So there you go, jockofuel.com. Check it out. The best stuff you can get. It's, it's pretty cool, right? Actually, yeah. It's pretty cool when you say, oh, this is the best stuff you can get. Yep. It's the best stuff you can get. Mm. So there you go. Also, um, Origin. Origin USA, best stuff you can get for many reasons. One in which is made in America, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. You don't find that that often. No. What you do find is 13 year old girls in a sweatshop, third world nationals that are being abused. That's what you find. Mm-hmm. Modern day slaves. Oh, What's what's Jocko talking about? Oh, go on the interwebs and go look up, you know, sweatshop and see what you find. In the industry, we call that uniquely priced manufacturing costs. Oh, slave. we call that slave labor. Yes, they sir. call it uniquely f- priced manufacturing. So just f- terrible. And by the way, go look at the, you know, people talk about the environment. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously, I surf, I spend a lot of time in the outdoors. I love being outdoors, I hunt, I go to the mountains, I, I value the environment in a, in a way that's profound. Go see what a factory overseas does to the environment. It's, they literally do not give a shit about the environment. They literally do not care at all. Yeah. Whatever comes, whatever chemicals are left over, it goes right in the river, river goes right to the ocean. They do not care. There's no EPA in China, it doesn't exist. So just think about what you're doing and get some originusa.com. Get your jeans there. Don't get jeans from a sweatshop made by slaves. Don't do that. Support America. Support American workers. Get jeans, get boots, get hunt gear, get your jujitsu gi. Greg Train's brother. Uh, which one? Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Brandon. Uh, I just gave him one of the noogies and he was like, he was holding it. <laughs> he, he, he like put it in his hands and he was holding it like in wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, no, because the thing is, he had an origin gi, one of the old ones, and it and it got a rip in it. Oh, and I was like, he, he was, hey, is this normal? And I was like, oh my god! And I like videoed it. And I was like, hey, Pete, Amanda, check this out. Like, would you guys want to send this back to the factory? You guys can frame it. There's been like three. Is a jacket anomaly. failure? It's a, it's a real anomaly. So, anyways, they sent him out two more. Um, of the new ones, but he, he, I gave it to him, and he was like, he's like looking at it as if it yeah, was yeah. a foreign Even substance. What's <laughs> crazy is what you just said. That is like, oh my gosh, let's frame it because it doesn't happen for Origin geese. Yeah, almost every other gee company out there, they tear up, yeah. they rip up. Not, yeah. I was rolling with one of my black belts, and I grabbed the back of his gee and went to pull, <laughs> and literally, I heard it start to rip. I don't know what my testosterone shot up to because I knew that I was ripping his gi and I literally ripped open his gi and he was like, bro, what the, and I'm like, that's what you get for having shit not made in America. And I ordered him a gi from origin and now he wears obviously our gis, but it was funny. Just like, like what you just said, like it's so rare for anything to not be of the best quality yeah. from origin that you're like, you want to frame this because it started to rip? Yeah. And probably because the dude's like training like like a madman. Yeah, yeah. Well, so there you go. Yep. Uh, OriginUSA.com. Yep. Also Check that out. Yep, it's true. What up? What? Also, Jocko's. St- what? <laughs> Jocko has a store called Jocko's Store. Hmm. 
All right, so where you can represent while we're on this path, it's a big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. The path. Mm-hmm. If you're on the path, be proud of yourself. Represent. I think. It's a good call. Yeah, discipline equals freedom. Good. Also, we have a thing called the Shirt Locker, which is a membership scenario, mm-hmm. subscription, if you will. Some good designs on there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I see you representing from time to time, JP. I do. Makes me happy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go on there, jockostore.com. That's where you can check out all that stuff. If you like something, hey, man, get something. You know something. who's fired up for the Shirt Locker? Jamie Cochran's dad. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Direct reports. from. We appreciate yes. The support across the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to Jocko Underground. We just uh, we brought up a bunch. Look on the Jocko Underground, we're kind of talking about all kinds of stuff, and a lot of the we answer a lot of questions too from people that are subscribed to Jocko Underground, but. We heard us refer back to it a lot today. So check that out if you want, jockounderground.com. The questions too, kinda, which I've kinda noticed a lot more recently, maybe the past maybe two months or Mm so, that the questions that are submitted and you answer and and give good answers, but they elicit even more questions that we tend Mm -hmm. to talk about even deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, because you know, a question is like, some of the time it's like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. It's like, cool, here's the answer, but the specific situation you're in doesn't apply to everyone, so let's go to like the the idea Mm -hmm. behind the situation. For sure. And then there's a few questions you gotta sort out behind there, behind that wall or whatever, and then you can understand the whole thing a little bit more clearly. How do these principles broadly apply? Look, how do they specifically apply to you? You, Fred, that asked the question, but then how does that answer broadly apply to everyone that's listening? Yeah. To make their life better. Yeah. So there you go. JockoUnderground.com, YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's the Jocko Podcast YouTube channel. There's the Origin USA podcast ch- or, or channel, YouTube channel. There's also a Jocko Fuel channel. Yep. So check those out if you want to if you want to know what's happening. Uh, psychological warfare. We got Flipside Canvas, Dakota Meyer making cool stuff to hang on your wall a bunch of cool books you can check out the books you already know what they are the kids book way the warrior five came out did you know that did you know that Mm -hmm. did you get it for your kid yet did you get it for your neighbor's kids did you get it for your nephew did you want to take a a, you know a kid that's you want to talk about trajectory shifts in life take an 11 year old kid and get them the way of the Warrior Kid series and have the trajectory of their life point in a the most positive direction it can possibly get pointed in. And I know that's a bold statement. Guess how much feedback I've gotten that said exactly that. I can't count. Mm. Yeah. So get those books for your kids. Um, Echelon Front, we have a leadership consultancy. We solve problems through leadership. If you have problems in your organization, they're leadership problems. They are leadership problems. And what will fix them is fixing your leadership. Oh, that offended you. You're like, oh, wait, what's wrong with my leadership? Listen, if there's problems in your organization, there's problems with your leadership. There's problems with your team's leadership. You can, you can either be offended by that, or you can say, oh, that's probably a pretty good point. Maybe there are, maybe I'm humble enough to say, oh, there's some adjustments I could make. That sounds like a good idea. And when you make that, when you make that incredibly powerful mental leap and you put your ego in check and you decide, you know what? I could probably become a little bit better of, an, of a leader. Go to echelonfront.com and see what we've got going on there. Come to one of our live events or you can go on our Extreme Ownership Academy and you can, you can bring your whole organization through that. We have enterprise opportunities. You wanna put, you got, oh, you've got 72,000 employees. 
and you want them all to be aligned around leadership, well then go to extremeownership.com and we will get you set up for your 72,000 employees. Oh, you only you you have a business and you've only got four employees. Oh, guess what? We got you. Oh, you're trying to just become a better leader yourself. Cool, we got you. Do you become a better leader overnight? Nope, you don't. Do you get in good shape after you went to the gym one time? No, you don't. That's why we have the leadership gym, extremeownership.com. Go and check that out. There's, there's live stuff that we do. There's courses to take. There's all kinds of things that are going to help you become a better leader. So check that out. And if you want to help service members, active and retired, you want to help their families, Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization. If you want to donate or you want to get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. One of the things that she does is help veterans with medical care that is not provided by the VA. For instance, hyperbaric chamber. What does that do to your brain? <laughs> it, man, it just heals everything, which is incredible. Um, you know, COVID hit, and I know I, I briefly talked about this before, but for those that maybe didn't listen to those episodes or listen now, COVID hit, and I was actually able to get uh, reach out to Mama Lee and say, hey, I know you've been trying to get me to go do these treatments. I think I have a gap. Remember when we we're like, hey, maybe, yep. maybe two weeks. <laughs> I was like, I might, I might be able to do it for a week, but obviously we had more time. And I went and had the treatments. At the time, I was having a kidney and adrenal gland failure. They weren't sure what was happening. They couldn't, like literally nobody could tell. Uh, we, we had no answers. My body was shutting down. And there's a couple of times I had completely blacked out, passed out during workouts. I mean, I was getting blurred vision. I'd have to pull over while driving. I'd just be throwing up on the side of the road. It was, it was bad. I hit a lot of that from a lot of people because I just didn't have the time to slow down. COVID hit. I was able to get in those treatments. 180. Mm-hmm. Like, just crazy what it was able to do. And we have other guys like Cowie mm-hmm. who's gone to the treatments and he's now going to these advanced treatments that their foundation is helping getting guys into. And it's incredible what it's doing from just healing the brain and the body and just getting us back closer to that baseline of where we need to be. So it was awesome. Um, so there you go. If you want to support that, that's like, there's a, there. It, um, what is it? You ever seen those things where you can like, they used to have them on TV. I don't know if they still have them, but you could you could basically like donate to when there was famines in Africa. Yeah. They'd be like they'd be like, hey, if you give twelve dollars a month, yeah, you can help this, this kid. Yeah. They'd show the kid. Yeah. Well, this is like there's a price tag that these things have, and expensive. And it's expensive, but that's what Mama Lee does. Yeah. She says, okay, this amount of money can handle this many veterans. And so there's a JP out there, there's a Cowie out there, there's a whoever. Yep, here we go. You need this treatment, we got you. Yeah. And it's incredibly impactful. So Mama Lee, thank you for everything. Yes. Um America's Mighty Warriors.org. And then of course, Heroes and Horses.org. You got Micah Fink. What's the latest report? Did you get an update? What's well, the update on? I, I got half an update. What what'd you hear? Yeah, I th- it was a mountain lion. Okay, mountain lion. Yeah, and they had something to do with um grappling. Like, yeah, it was a front headlock specifically. Okay, yeah. so yeah. right now but apparently, I don't, I don't know how it happened. Micah Fink has a mountain lion in a front headlock, yeah. and you know he's handling things. Yeah, and he's also taking a bunch of veterans up into the mountains to help them find themselves again. 
uh, JP, if you want to connect with JP, he's on Twitter and he's on Instagram. And he also has what? G- uh, Jesus and Jiu Jitsu? Yep. Or is it Jiu Jitsu and Jesus? No, it's Jesus and Jiu Jitsu. Jesus comes first. Yep. Check. He, that's like on yep. the rash guard. It's Jesus is big and bold mm-hmm. on the top, and then underneath, Jiu Jitsu is below it. It's a ministry that uh, my buddies and I started. And I say my buddies first because we all had this idea at the same time. We came back from this men's retreat that we were leading at. We'd gone to it before. We came back to lead and support. I guess I should say serve at, mm-hmm. and uh, God put it on all of our hearts at separate separate times and we were all talking about it like the same Monday leading the event we're like all right there's something here and Stephen and Isaac have just ran with it they have just completely ran with it Josh as well and so uh, Josh uh, Stephen Isaac and I um, you know or I guess you say the you know the board members of you know Jesus and Jiu Jitsu, Triple J, uh, Triple J, and uh, you know it's awesome. So uh, we try to do um, an event once a month at a, at different gyms in the area. Uh, we're gonna start traveling to different areas as well as we build the ministry, and um, uh, it's cool. So we start off and we have somebody teach some Jiu Jitsu, and then uh, a different person shares their testimony of just like their story of their relationship with God and you know how they found Jesus and salvation and what it means to them, and then we um, offer up opportunity for people to like prayer like if someone wants to dedicate their life to jesus that we do a group prayer for everybody and we don't ask anybody like oh hey if you did that let us know because we don't want to embarrass anybody but we also provide bibles to people that don't have bibles or have never had a bible or need a new one and Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see the doors that it's opening you know like my professor formiga um uh, rafael barbosa um who owns double five He's let us do it at his gym multiple times. And he's like, wait, it's Jesus and jujitsu. Whatever you guys need from me, I'm here to support you, which has been cool. And it was the th- uh, the third one that we did. He was out of town, but his wife, Lisa, was there. And afterwards, she's like, hey, can I have one of those Bibles? And we're like, yes, of course. Like, yeah. And, you know, they didn't have a Bible. Mm-hmm. And then that next Sunday, they came to church with us. And it was an amazing service. And he goes, JP. I think he was talking to me the whole time. I'm like, he was talking to me also. Like, I was like, cause there's levels to these. He's like, man, this is just, it was so powerful. And like, I asked him, I'm like, <clears throat> well, did you pray the prayer of salvation afterwards? He's like, yes. Yeah. So from that, like we've had doors open to where guys are like, Hey, I want to go to church. I want to try it out. And now there's people that are like dedicating their life to Jesus, you know, growing the kingdom, which is, which is pretty awesome to be able to do. <clears throat> so doing that, <clears throat> Uh, which the the purpose also is to bring people to go to pursuit, which is that men's event that I went to actually to the year today Mm -hmm. was last February. I went to uh, pursuit, which is through our buddies ministry walking in truth. And it's the goal is just to, obviously expose people to Jesus in an environment that probably most people would never go to church. And we have people that have come to our events that are atheists, that we have that we have agnostic people, we have, you know, people of all walks that literally come because they're like, hey, it's jujitsu we want to support. And now it's somebody that would literally never walk into a church are now hearing about Jesus. And they're hearing it from like guys that we we share our testimonies like, hey man, I am a jacked up individual. I am a flawed individual. If it wasn't for the grace of God, like I wouldn't be standing here and able to share our different stories and testimonies. It's been really cool to see the doors that it's opened up. Um, and you know, and, and the last they just had a pursuit recently, and because of the Jesus and Jiu Jitsu we did last month. I think three or four people went to pursuit. So now they want to go to this event, they get this freedom. It's a, it's a freedom-based ministry for 
uh, men and women. So it's really cool to see what those doors have opened up, um, the relationships from that. And it's, it's cool that I'm, I'm doing that with, you know, three of my closest friends. And then the two other businesses that we were talking about before, it's like one is with Josh on the path printing, printing apparel and the other one and that on the path printing. Is that the website? Uh, so yeah, so mostly it's on Instagram and we don't have a big website and the reason why it's we are very selective with who we want to work with. You know, Nick Lavery, Lavery who is on your, yep. we're going to be printing for him. Um, once we have it fully up and running and like Josh has been super default aggressive, like to do all these things, but he's also the alignment that we have in regards to this. Hey man, if we're not able to deliver the best product, like I don't want us doing this until we can. He goes, I know it can't be perfect. And he helps out at mm -hmm. the musters and FTXs. Yep. He goes, I know it can't be perfect, but it's gotta be the best product to these people. And he's like, I want us, you know, and that's our goal is to um, to serve patriots, to serve ministries, jujitsu gyms, first responders. Like we're gonna pick who we wanna work with. PJ, who helps out at all of our events, we're gonna be printing for his fire department. Nice. And we're gonna be printing for our jujitsu gym. So it gives us the ability to choose who we wanna work with. So it's just through Instagram, on the path printing. Um, so that's that's where we're at right there. And then on the other side, Steven is with his his cattle company. You know, he has a beef company he's had for a couple of years, a little cattle co, and being able to help, you know, it's, it's really cool the doors have opened up and just, seeing the opportunities, trying to be obedient uh, to the opportunities that God's giving me and understanding like, hey, if I have an opportunity, like not seizing that opportunity is just as bad as doing the wrong thing in my mind, mm -hmm. you know, because if God's giving me an opportunity and he's blessing me with the abilities to go out there and do something with other people and, and help people, yeah, I should absolutely be doing that. Yep. And through the printing company, we're gonna be helping out a lot of ministries and churches and foundations. And for us, that's a way to give back and to bless people. Like Mama Lee, she's like, wait, when can you print? I'm like, as soon as we can, I promise you're you. You're first on the list, <clears throat> You're the Mama first Lee. one on the list. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Steven's had the beef company for a couple of years and I always told him like, hey man, if there's anything I can help you, to take this to the next level, cool. I don't, I'm not trying to get in on, I'm not trying to like take advantage or capitalize, but if I can help you, like let me know. So how do people find that? Same thing, Instagram right now is Little Cattle Co. Like as in company, Little Cattle Co. Steven Little is his mm -hmm. name, you know, and uh, having the website built up as well. And it'll be like, so someone wants to get online and, you know, order some sirloins and some tomahawks and some fillets and some ground beef like they can it'll be direct to consumer uh beef sales Sweet. and we know the quality we know the source his his uncle has been this is awesome like this is something that i'm excited that aiden's gonna be able to experience and me selfishly like i get to go do some cowboying you know because i've always been mm. infatuated with that because my grandfather mm. did this um his uncle uncle rocky has been cowboying all over Texas for over 30 years. Every major ranch, he's been a cowboy there. And he knows the business. And that's who's like allowing us to to grow the business. We have access to as many steers as we want. And it's all high quality. Just knowing what we're getting, it's a big thing right now. So it's cool. It's I'm excited. And you know, somebody I stole your your line you said multiple times, like I, I had a Another buddy who was like, man, how are you doing all these things? Like, you're crazy busy with Echelon Front. I'm like, well, realize that I'm not as hands-on on all these other things as you think. So if I gave you that perception, 
I'm sorry, but I use the laws of combat. <laughs> I can it, do man. multiple things because of the laws of combat. I can help build little Calico on the path printing. Like my professor for me goes like, hey, do you want to partner with me to help open up a bigger gym in this area? And I'm like, yes. Yep. Like no brainer, right? You're one of the best at jujitsu and an amazing instructor. So we're, we're having those discussions right now uh, as well. And it's just like, because of what we do at Echelon And for Front, me, Academy is double, double five. five. Yep. What's the, how do people find that? Just Instagram, double five jujitsu or double five HV for Highlands Village. That's the area that we're okay. in. Um, great school, Formiga's great. Like dude, nine, nine time world champ, yeah. 11 time Pan Am champ. Yeah. Like. Very, very uh, detailed instructor too, just mm -hmm. squared away. He's from the deck, right? Yes. He from the deck. Yeah, so he's, and that's what's cool because now I'm part of Dedeco's lineage and Pete ah, Roberts' lineage. You guys under are connected. Dedeco. You guys are brothers now. I am. Yeah, check that out. Yeah. It's kind of like me and Echo Charles. Yes. Kind of right. Now, yeah. You know, a little bit. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. The lineage. Uh, that's awesome, man. All kinds of good stuff going on, which is as it should be, yo. I, I, one thing I wrote down, and I have to say because it'll bother me. Earlier, when, when you were doing the intro, and I, I, you know, I said titles don't matter, but I corrected you on my title, and that bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me. It was a test, dude. I don't care what it was. But Haunting. here's the deal: if titles don't matter, I shouldn't have said anything. But I really believe at Echelon Front, we've known since day one. I mean, you straight up told us. I remember at one of the early meetings, you're like, "Hey, man, the titles don't matter," but I know to other people titles are important. So we want to make sure we give you guys the right proper titles as we're growing this business. You and Leif gave me an opportunity <clears throat> that is unlike anything else. I don't need a title to be here. You know what I mean? Like I will be here until the day I die, like I said. But I'm also proud of the fact of like where I was at six years ago and what you and Leif were like, hey man, here's an opportunity. And Jamie as well. You know what I mean? Like you, you and Leif opened up the door, and Jamie helped facilitate it. Dave Burke, I, I tell this to everybody. Dave Burke is a guy I've always looked up to. He's my best friend. He's my mentor. He's somebody that I, I he's helped me here at Echelon Front, even though technically I came in before him. He's a guy I've always looked up to, and just the opportunity to do what we do at Echelon Front. Like I want to make sure it is always very apparent and clear that it is something I am forever indebted to you guys for but I am proud of that title because I know what it represents in regards to what you and Leif want to build, not because of what I've done. I'm not proud of it in regards to like, oh, I'm the chief training officer. Six years ago, we there was no titles, there was no departments. And now, like the fact of what you and Leif have helped facilitate for us to be able to be a part of and build, that means a lot to me. And to see what Cody's done, like I, here's the deal, if Cody wasn't, the stud that he is, yeah. I wouldn't be able to For sure. to move up in the organization. And I, and I know that, and I try to reiterate that to Cody, and Cody's annoyingly humble because he's like, <laughs> no, bro, you know, everything. And I'm like, dude, I did not give you anything other than here's an opportunity. Cody's ran with it. He's made that department better than it was when I was running it. And it's cool to be able to sit back and see what he's doing and, and everything. So I just, I wanted to correct that because it's bothered me the whole time that I made that correction. Yeah, well, you're not the jackass that's that's allegedly the chief executive officer <laughs> that <laughs> jacked up the title when he said it, so there you go. 
and you know I always you know when you say to me like oh you're indebted to me and you know what I'm gonna say I already know. You, you you did more for me than I could have ever asked someone to do so we're good cool we're square check <laughs> uh, there you go that's how you can get in touch with JP of course if you want to uh, get in touch with or connect with Echo Charles and I, we're also on social media. Echo's at Echo Charles. I'm at Jocko Willink. Of course, just watch out for the algorithm because it's strong. It's Chat GPT strong. It's gonna grab you, grab you by the vocal cords and drag you into the screen. So watch out. I was texting with Jason Gardner the other day. He's like, well, how, you know, I was like, tell, he, does, he hasn't been on chat GPT yet. And he was like asking me some, he's like, well, what about this? What about this? And he said, well, what exactly does data does it go off of? And I was like, go ask chat GPT and it will tell you what data it's going off of. <laughs> so he was laughing. Uh, but anyways, there you go. That's how you can get in touch with us. And thanks for joining us, JP. Um, always good to have the opportunity to, to enable the opportunity for you to share your lessons with the world. And uh, obviously, thanks, like I said, for everything you did for me, for the teams, and of course, for our country. And um, yeah, thanks to all the servicemen and women that are out there right now on the front lines defending freedom. It is a sketchy world out there. It's a sketchy world out there. And you all are stepping up into that zone of the unknown to protect us and our way of life and our freedom. So thank you. And thanks also to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, and all first responders. You defend us here at home, and we are definitely grateful. And to everyone else out there, just remember this. Remember this, as bad, as things can get, and believe me, they can get bad. They can get really bad. But as bad as they can get, remember this, they can always get worse. (laughs) They can always get worse, so please do me a favor and keep old Mr. Murphy at bay. Be ready for the worst case scenario, and you do that by going out there every day and getting after it. And until next time, this is JP, and Echo and Jocko out.